You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon and welcome into Sports Call on a Friday. I am Brooks Childress, joined in studio right now by Cam Barry, J.J. Jackson, Ryan Lavoy, our off-handling company business. They will be back in studio very, very shortly. But until then, it's me, Myself and I, Brooks Childress and Cam Barry, holding down the fort for you. We've got a great yeah, show packed out for you this afternoon. Of course, Ooh. to start with, your phone calls as always, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 on the Auburn Bank phone line. Can't wait to hear from you all afternoon. But on the other side of things, we've got a packed out show for you this afternoon. Birthdays and sports coming up later. We'll also have a finish out the show with a nightly TV guide. But in between those two, we've got a flurry of guests this afternoon cj holmes warriors writer for the san francisco chronicle will join us we talked to him back when the golden state warriors were in the western conference finals now in the middle of the nba finals game four of that series is tonight up in boston cj holmes also played basketball for the auburn tigers so we'll talk to him catch up with him how he's been doing how the city of boston's been treating him last few days probably not well if he's (laughs) he's not a representative of the warriors so he oh. can he can hide it a little bit. Yeah, he can hide it some. Unless someone recognizes him from Twitter. Right. <laughs> but I don't know how many Bostonians are following the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, also, we'll talk to Wes Durham later this afternoon. He's from the ACC Network, ESPN. Also, well, we talked to him about, he's the voice of the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons Radio Network, which we are a proud affiliate of, going on our third season coming up here in just a few months. And then, of course, the final interview of the day at 5.15-ish, we'll talk to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network to preview the Corvallis Super Regional this after, or start getting started tomorrow night, 9 o'clock Central Time on the networks of ESPN. Of course, you can hear all the action on the Auburn Sports Network on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. So a big, big show this afternoon for a Friday to finish out your week, the day before Poker Run. If you haven't gotten your Poker Run tickets yet, I think there may still be a few yeah. left. It is uh, it help goes to a good cause with the Sheriff's Girls Ranch. Three three four eight eight seven ninety nine ninety nine is how you can get a ticket to Poker Run tomorrow. Four hundred fifty dollars a piece, and you have a chance to win five thousand dollars on the lake tomorrow. Lake Martin is where we'll be having that everyone from the office will be up there me and cam will both be at the same stop tomorrow yeah we'll be having some fun having up there a at great the, uh, time at what we dubbed the tiki hut yeah the second to last stop or no third to last stop really if you're if we're looking at uh the map uh, but it's going to be a fun fun day and uh we'll all be having fun at the lake tomorrow so hope to see some of you guys out there can't wait to be out there for a good cause with the sheriff's girls ranch 
up there from Tallapoosa County. I, as we said, Brooks Children's Canberra in studio this afternoon. Cam, how is your Friday going? It's going pretty well, pretty well. Been, uh, you know, I've been pretty stressed about my girlfriend recently, but um, it's Friday's going pretty smooth, and I'll be able to see her uh, tomorrow after it's good. Uh, poker run. Um, last night, watched um, Oklahoma take out Texas, sweep them in t- easy two games uh, in the Women's College World Series, and watch probably i i don't i could say probably the greatest hitter in women's college world yep. uh in women's college softball history uh end out her career in jocelyn allo um just i mean magnificent player she she was amazing and seeing her in the outfield in the seventh inning was also a sight to see uh she caught the first two outs which was uh pretty funny they hit right to her both times so definitely entertaining um caught caught a little bit of the end of the uh lightning and rangers game as well uh tampa bay up three two now so they're yeah. kind of we'll have one three in a row which is definitely interesting to, to see breaking the rangers um eight game home playoff streak so i think uh what ryan was telling me was that was the longest in a while so um definitely that and the braves winning eight in a row last night against the pirates so let's see if they can keep it up i'm definitely excited and i'm very very glad that you know the Braves seem to have found their stride a little bit um and everything's kind of connecting so uh, um i'm doing pretty good yeah the atlanta braves going for nine in a row tonight uh against the well in in general they are going for nine in a row but they will be facing game two of the pittsburgh pirates four game series took game one last night a relatively low scoring affair but they were able to power out that win, try to get it again tonight. Spencer Strider taking the mound for the Braves this evening. Is it's a, uh, a very similar lineup? I saw it a little bit ago yeah. on Twitter. A fairly similar lineup to what they've been trotting out there the last few days. And so going for nine in a row, keep that winning streak going. And of course, you got to keep winning because the Mets keep winning, and they they yeah. still a uh, I think it's still a seven game lead for Let's the Mets. See. Um, but the Braves are. Uh, you know, like I said, continue to win. The Mets, uh, six and a half games. The Mets did not play last night, so the Braves gained a half game on them. Okay. But it is a, it's still a big, big weekend. The Mets taking on the, I believe it's the Los Angeles Angels this weekend, and they've, uh, they've fallen on hard times recently. Yeah, firing Angels Joe Madden struggling. earlier this week. Um, Shohei Otani finally looked like he broke out of a little slump last night as he homered uh, in their game last night. So we'll see if the Angels can uh, get back on the horse against the Mets and the Braves can continue their winning ways. As you mentioned, the College World Series for the softball type ended last night in a two-games-to-none Oklahoma win over the Texas Longhorns, their arch rivals. Red River. It was it was a little shaky early for Oklahoma, but yes. then about those middle innings, the bats came alive once again, as they seem to always do. Yeah. And, and then Texas kind of made it a little bit of a ball game at the end when Oklahoma was in the middle of doing all their <laughs> curtain calls and... They they cut it to five Dude, and that you, you started to get a little bit. Find the zone. I was getting so frustrated because you, you you're watching the game and you're like, all right, they're gonna close it out. You know, one, two, three, whatever. You know, and so they put in the the, the senior yeah. and and she's pitching and she's throwing. I think she she threw more wa- more balls than she did strikes. And I was like, come on, seven, just <laughs> find the zone. Just put just. I mean, obviously, don't give up. A, a, she gave up three run home run as well. And so obviously that was, you know, not ideal. And you're like, well, you don't want to give them any type of life. So you just want to give them something that, you know, she can put in play and easy out. And that's all you need. And it just was not happening for like four batters. 
And then she finally got that yeah, got that final out. It was a, a ground ball to first for the win. Started to get a little bit in the, the the yeah. collar started to tighten just a yeah. little bit there, but Oklahoma was able to win it. Another national championship for uh, Patty Gasso and those Oklahoma Sooners. Congratulations to former Auburn Tiger, Taylor Snow, yep. out there. Got herself a ring, another All ring, right. I believe. Um, and so she, uh, she was able to get the win there with Oklahoma. And we'll, uh, we closed the book on this softball season. Hopefully the Auburn right. Tigers can be in the discussion for a national title next year with Hopefully. Coach Mickey Dean. Got a good recruiting class coming in. Uh, over this next off season, and next time we will see them will be fall ball coming up here in October, November Woo. time, and we'll see them take to the field with some fall ball, and then of course next year we'll hopefully see them go a little bit further in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully they can do what the Oklahoma Sooners did this year and win yeah. a national title, but that remains to be seen. The Auburn baseball team, as we mentioned, getting things going tomorrow night in the Corvallis Super Regional against Oregon State. First ever meeting between these two programs, Oregon State and Auburn. I've never played. On the baseball diamond. That's cool. Other Super Regionals getting started today, though. You've got four going today. Number eight seeded East Carolina has knocked off number eight seeded or number nine seeded Texas, thirteen to seven in game one. There, mm. East Carolina, when tomorrow punches their ticket to the College World Series in Omaha. Also, the Oklahoma Sooners baseball team are on top of the number four seeded Virginia Tech Hokies. That's at the Blacksburg Super Regional. Top of the four, three to nothing. Oklahoma leading Virginia Tech. Oklahoma was an unseeded team coming into the Super Regional, coming into the tournament, but coming into the Super Regional, they fought their way out of that Gainesville Regional, and they are taking on number four seeded Virginia Tech, and they lead 3-0, as I said, in the top of the fourth inning. Other Super Regional action tonight, the number one seeded in the country, Tennessee Volunteers, will open up their Super Regional against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And then, of course, the nightcap this evening, number 12-seeded Louisville and number 5-seeded Texas A&M. So, really, if you look at it in a few years, four SEC teams in action today. Yeah. In actuality, only two are in action. But a uh, big, big day in the Super Regionals. Of course, everything uh, the rest of the weekend gets started tomorrow, bright and early at 10 a.m. with Arkansas and number 10-seeded North Carolina. And so there's a lot of baseball action this weekend. A lot of uh, a lot of baseball, man. A lot of basketball action going on. We'll talk more about Shoot. the NBA Finals, or yeah, the NBA Finals coming up in just a little bit as we get to CJ Holmes at the bottom of the hour from the San Francisco Chronicle. And of course, we want to get to your phone calls three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. That's how you get on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the afternoon. When we come back, we'll get to your birthdays and sports right after this. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU.
Sports Corner Friday rolls on. I'm Brooks Childress, joined by Cam Berry in studio. Ryan LaVoy, JJ Jackson, handling company business. They should be back here in just a little bit. I've got a <laughs> got a notion that they may be. Yeah, very soon. Very soon. 334-887-34 locally, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 is how you get on the Auburn Bank phone line. I want to tell you about this. The Auburn Opelika Tourism is holding their annual photo contest. Started back on June 1st. AO photo contest. Professional amateur t- photographers alike. All skill levels are invited to submit their work for a chance to win the grand prize. Photo submissions will be taken, uh, must be taken in Auburn or Opelika. The cl- contest closes on August 31st. One talented winner will be selected to win a $500 gift card to Camera Graphics or the Auburn Opelika business of your choice. Subject to restrictions, of course, photos will be judged on four aspects, originality, creativity, overall as artistic appeal, and local emphasis. To enter, visit www.aotourism.com slash photo contest and submit your photos. There is no entry fee. So you live in the Auburn Opelika area, listen to us. You think you got a little bit of a camera bug in you? Get out there, take a good picture. It's a beautiful time of year to get some nature pictures. Oh, yeah. So head out to one of your local parks, get a nature picture. Maybe you could also take a picture of your dog, I guess, running around one of the local mm-hmm. areas. So For sure. Uh, get aotourism.com slash photo, t- photo contest is how you get to enter that. Th- as I said, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 is how you get on the Auburn Bank phone line. But before we go anywhere else, let's get to our birthdays and sports. <laughs> It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports on a June the 10th, 2022. Got a couple baseball birthdays, football and basketball birthday to get to. We'll start out in the baseball world. Turning 45 today is a former MLB pitcher who played for the Seattle Mariners, Chicago White Sox, Philadelphia Phillies, Detroit Tigers, New York Yankees, Baltimore Orioles, and the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Garcia. Freddie Garcia. He's a two-time A or two-time All-Star. 2005 World Series champion along with the White Sox and a 2001 NLERA leader. I'll get it out eventually. (laughs) It's a lot of letters. But Freddie Garcia turning 45. uh, MLB journeyman. Spent a little bit of time with the Atlanta Braves. Been all over the place. Of course. uh, Got his ring with the White Sox. Spent two stints with the White Sox. Two Two different times. So Freddy Garcia, Garcia, turning 45 today. The other baseball birthdays, a former MLB right fielder, D.H., played for the New York Mets, the Montreal Expos, and the Baltimore Orioles. Ken Singleton, turning 75 years old today. He's a three-time All-Star, 1983 World Series champion while with the Orioles, and a member of the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame. Ken Singleton, 75 years old. A little before our time. Yeah. Just a yeah. Bit. Just a tad. Just a touch. But he's 75. In the football world, turning 71 years old, I can't believe he's 71, is a former quarterback for the San Diego Chargers, Dan Fouts. Man, 71 years old. He was selected in the third round of the 1973 NFL Draft by the Chargers out of Oregon. Go Ducks. He's a two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, four-time NFL passing yards leader, a two-time NFL passing touchdowns leader, the 1982 NFL Offensive Player of the Year, 1979 NFL Completion Percentage Leader, <gasps> member of the <laughs> NFL 1980s All-Decade Team, member of the Los Angeles Chargers Hall of Fame, also a member of the San Diego Chargers 50th Anniversary Team, has his jersey number 14 retired by the Chargers, and was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1993. Dan Fouts, 71 years old. I can't believe he's 71. 
old. I mean, I guess I can since he was, you know, 1973 was when he was drafted, but man, still a years little old. before my time. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, turning 34, this guy we're a little bit more familiar with is a former NBA point guard, Jeff Teague. Oh, very familiar with that guy. Selected 19th overall in the 2009 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks out of Wake Forest. Go Deeks. Also played for the Pacers, the Timberwolves, the Celtics, and the Bucks. He's a 2021 NBA champion while with those Milwaukee Bucks. He's a 2015 NBA All-Star. Jeff Teague is turning 34 years old today. All love for Jeff Teague. Always. Do you have any? Uh, you're the bigger Hawks fan, so do you have any um, specific memories about Jeff Teague when he played with the Hawks? Jeff Teague, and it's so crazy because so many people talk about Trey Young's floater, like how it's yeah. just automatic. But Jeff Teague's floater used to be the same, like extremely automatic. One of his most reliable shots, dude, was extremely talented. Um. All love for Jeff Teague. Thank you for everything that he did with the Hawks. You know, I, I've always respected him as a player. He plays good defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I've always had love for Jeff Teague. Um, you know, obviously, uh, also, you know, a good memory, even though it's kind of like not a good memory at the same time where um, I think it was the second year. I think we made it into the 20 when we when we went to the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron and we got swept. Yeah. Uh, um, the year after that, Jeff Teague's making shots in the first in the first game of the first quarter. We're playing the Cavaliers, and I think it was the second round. And Jeff Teague's like, "Nope, nope, not getting swept this year." We then proceeded, I think, to either get gentlemen swept or swept. Still, I'm. I think we still got swept. So, yeah. Trying to trying to look at it. His last year with the Hawks was the 2015-2016 season. Yeah, where and it really mattered. Yeah. I think, and Ryan Ryan Lavoy just walked into the room. Was it 2016 that me and you went to the uh, Hawks Warriors game, or was it 2017? It was 2017 okay. season because so Durant tr- was injured. Uh, it was his first year in Golden State. He was injured, but Iguodala started and had like 22. Okay, points. so that's the year the Hawks blew it up then. They had Schroeder. Yeah, Schroeder was a um, yeah, but, yeah. Overall, the, it was not a great team. Blown up, completely blown up team. And then, because I remember, I think obviously, I think like two years later, three years later, we drafted Trey, and so that's when Schroeder um, requested the trade and and didn't want to. Because I was trying hang to see for if, the rebuild. I was trying to see if uh, I'd seen Jeff Teague play while I was in a uh, in Atlanta, but no, he was off the team. By that point, his last year was 2015-2016 season. So I never got to see Jeff Teague play for the Hawks uh, in person. Did did watch him on TV. But happy birthday, Jeff Teague, turning 34, the youngest of the birthdays today. Also, Freddie Garcia, Dan Fouts, and Ken Singleton all celebrating birthdays today. And, of course, if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you on this June the 10th, 2022. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 is how you get on the Auburn Bank phone line. We've got about five minutes until we have to go to the that Auburn Bank phone line and talk to C.J. Holmes from the San Francisco Chronicle. But before we go there, let's squeeze in one phone call here, and let's take a trip down to the south of the, uh, south of the state, and let's talk to... 
Damn Steve. I always do that. Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? Good, gentlemen. Thanks for asking. And in the words of uh, the person who's not there today, Mr. J.J. Jackson, good afternoon, everyone. That's right. All right, gentlemen, let's get to it. I've got a lightning round uh, comments here. All right. I just saw on uh, TV uh, a few hours ago that none other than Mr. Tiger Woods is only the third athlete, according to Forbes magazine, who has a billion, not a million, but a billion dollars in net assets. Did y'all see that? Yes, I did see that. Tiger Woods joining LeBron James and Michael Jordan being being the only athletes to be billionaires now. Uh, definitely a big accomplishment for sure. I think I think it's really really dope. Well, in the late in the words of the late Frank Boyles, holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of money. One billion dollars. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. When it comes to not gross, but net assets. Yeah. Okay, moving on, guys. Uh, talking about lots of money, I read this morning, uh, and I would like you guys to confirm it, that apparently the PGA has struck back today with banning completely. Is that right? Those players who decide to play for the LIV uh, tournament. Yeah. Yeah, what? that's correct. I did not see that. Yeah, I just read it from New York Times this morning. I wanted to see if you guys had seen confirmation of that. Uh, I'm getting the head shake from Ryan LaVoy, and so they it, got it is a thing. banned? Yeah. From what? Lifetime ban. Oh, I did not see it was oh, lifetime. Was it a lifetime ban? What? Yeah. I thought it was yeah. just a, the suspension. Uh, yeah, I saw no, the... the suspension was uh, done, I think, yesterday or the day before, but then this morning, uh, after they apparently <laughs> uh, were more irritated uh, with what you know, Phil Nixon and the rest of them were saying that there's a lifetime ban. I want you guys to confirm it for me. Um, let me. I, I was looking here. I was. I pulled up the Chicago Sun Times article that I found, and I'm I'm um, seeing from Front Office Sports it, where they're weighing yeah, lifetime bans. Uh, the only things we're seeing is that they're weighing lifetime bans, considering them. But I don't think they've actually gone gone through with lifetime oh, bans. Oh man, I hope they do not do that. Well, I know you see it differently, but see, as I said yesterday, guys, uh, to me this is about integrity, morals, and ethics, and it's about human rights. And do you care more about money or playing for a country that completely doesn't care about human rights? And here, you know, let me let me find. I found I may have deleted the email uh, that I got on this. Um, it, it it's a it's a hairy situation. You know, we yeah. talked about it yesterday on the show, Steve. It's a hairy situation, especially depending on who you ask, because you look at you know the official government statements on uh, on on Saudi Arabia and everything, and it's it's it, you know they they listed on this from the State Department website as they are a strong trade partner with the U.S. And then reports came out today that the senior U.S. officials are wanting to move past or uh, move forward from the killing of the American journalist and try to reestablish better relations than currently have with Saudi Arabia. So it's, it's a very, very fluid situation. I definitely, well, okay, I, I, I hear your comments for me, guys, it's not fluid. Ab, yeah, I mean, you, a lot of you people kill somebody and he's a journalist, by the way, in your profession, uh, that to me is, uh, not, uh, moving forward until you hold them accountable. But anyway, here's, okay, here's, I'm pulling up right now. All right, here it is. About another minute, uh, Steve. I'm just reading. Sure, here it is right here. On Thursday, that was yesterday, the PGA Tour struck back in a sudden escalation of an increasingly bitter fight 
for control of elite professional golf, the tour suspended 17 players. Okay, then it says, uh, not long afterwards, though, they had hit their first tee shots. In a statement, the PGA Tour's commissioner declared that the Rebel Pros and any other player who joined them were no longer eligible to participate in the events. Wow. Yeah, they, they uh, I mean, that, that sounds like they, they're heading toward a, uh, a bigger, that's bigger suspension. A suspension, that's a ban, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what it makes it sound like, but I don't think they've anybody's officially come out and said that they're banned. I think it's, it's still the official statement of the PGA is that they're suspended for the time being. Yeah, it could ultimately just be a poor choice of words that doesn't necessarily mean that, that they are, are banning them or have banned them, yet it could have just been a more forceful tone. Okay, uh, maybe my, my trip today. Okay, real quick, guys. Today something happened that I never knew happened in uh, Major League Baseball history. In 1944, on this date, the youngest ever Major League Baseball player played for the Cincinnati Reds. Their first start. What was your name? <coughs> on how old were they? Um, I don't know. How young were they? You know, I, I want to say it was Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey, but I no, don't think it no. was. What year? I don't know what time is short. 1944, oh, okay. I wasn't around then, okay? Uh, <laughs> the guy was 15 years old. I have no idea then, Steve. Joe Nuxall, N-U-X-H-A-L-L. Okay. Joe Nuxall. Do you know him, guys? Are you familiar with that name? Can't say I, that we are. Nope. No. Uh, apparently he was pulled after two-thirds uh, of an inning in the ninth inning after apparently um, allowing four runs to be scored on four uh, walks. Man. And a wild pitch. But it turned out better for him, guys, because uh, apparently he uh, returned to play for the Cincinnati Reds uh, eight years later, and uh, he was 23 years old at that time, and played uh, for the remainder, uh, I guess, uh, uh, for 15 seasons. He ended up playing uh, for the remainder of his time there as a baseball player. Uh, He ended his career as a 3.90 ERA. That was interesting. All right, and finally, guys, you know Mr. Brody Moore? Yep. Good write-up by Philip Marshall about him and his family. I did not know this until I read it, but Brody Moore was named the Alabama Sports Writers Association Pitcher of the Year. Wow. And he's playing shortstop for the Tigers. Exactly. I never knew he played pitcher. So yeah. now yep. if you didn't know it, you do now. Absolutely. All right, Steve. Well, all right, that's well, it, guys. Tomorrow I'm getting ready, all my drinking, all my chips, Cheetos, you name it, because I'm staying up. To past midnight, probably, and hoping our guys can can pull it off. Make sure you got so, an extra pot of coffee. I hope you guys have a lot of uh, success with the uh, uh, the run tomorrow, the poker run. Thank you, sir. Have a relaxing afternoon yes, and sir. weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll come back uh, Monday with a war damn eagle for our baseball team. That's right. Hi guys, have a war uh, war eagle weekend. War eagle, too, Steve. Steve. Thanks war for that eagle. phone call. That was retired war damn Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's head to our next break. On the other side, Ryan LaVoy, J.J. Jackson joined the show as well as C.J. Holmes in the San Francisco Chronicle. But during this break, Ryan LaVoy also gives you a weather update. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back into the program. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson, Brooks Childress, Canberry, Ryan LaVoy, all inside our studios here on South College Street. What a fun Friday it is. Friday, June 10th, 2022. Let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line as we're now very excited once again to be joined by a good friend of the program, a former Auburn University men's basketball player, a current beat writer covering the Golden State Warriors for the San Francisco Chronicle, our good friend C.J. Holmes back with us. C.J., it was not as long between visits this time. Glad to get you back here on the show. How are you today? I'm doing well, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's start here. I mean, look, this is such an exciting opportunity for you and your profession. Here you are. All of a sudden, you've gotten the chance to cover three NBA Finals games. They're in the venue for each and every one of them. What's that been like for you personally? Oh, man, it's been, a, been an unbelievable experience. I think last time I was on the show, I said, you know, I remember walking out there um, for media day when they're setting up all the, you know, Finals logos on the court and on the Jumbotron and Sports table, and it was just an unbelievable moment for me. Um, thankful to be in this position, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, the series can finish up in an exciting way. Tell us what it's like. I mean, obviously we're watching it on television. We know how uh, kind of crazy that Boston crowd was in Game 3, but even from the Warriors' perspective, to be in venue and hear an atmosphere like that. You played in the SEC, CJ. You've been in a lot of basketball venues in your day and covered a whole lot of hoops. We've never had that honor of getting to go to an NBA Finals game. What's the atmosphere truly like from inside the building for a, a game of that magnitude? Oh, man, it was definitely up there with some of the best venues I've ever been in. Um, this person, thinking back to college, you know, I think of the Swamp. Uh, I think I was playing at Arkansas, I think <laughs> playing at Kentucky. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, this crowd was unbelievable. I mean, they were on their feet from start to finish. They were loud. Uh, before tip-off, the ground was literally shaking um, over in press row. Um, it was insane. I mean, you heard on TV, right? You heard them uh, yelling at Draymond throughout the game and, you, know, you can say what you want about the ethicalness of all that, but you know, there's a passionate fans here in Boston, and I don't know what the Warriors here to be in the night. And of course, CJ, all of Dub Nation anxiously keeping up with the news of Steph Curry and his foot injured in that scrum for the basketball late in the fourth quarter of Game 3. What is his status for tonight for those that have not seen? And then also just how uh, did he look and shoot around earlier today? Um, That was definitely a scary moment for Steph uh, towards the end of Game 3. You you immediately think back to what happened the last time they told the regular season back on March 16th. You know, similar situation. Mark Smart diving for a loose ball, steps in the area, Smart lands on Steph's leg, and Steph misses uh, the final 12 games of the regular season. So, yeah, when that moment happened in game three, you know, Warriors fans across the country are collectively holding their breath. Uh, but right after the game, Steph is short. He thought he's fine. He didn't, miss, he, said, he didn't think he'd miss any time. Yesterday at practice, um, it confirmed that once again. He heard that he expects Steph to play. Steph said, I'm ready to go. And uh, today's shoot-around, same thing. Um, Steph will play tonight, no limitations. And shoot-around, there was no type of wrap or protective, there was no type of wrap or protective brace um, on that left ankle, so he should be good to go. And, and CJ, um, Draymond's received a lot of criticism about how his how he's been going about the game this series, and they're saying that he's not really focused, more focused on, you know, playing more um, to the antics of the game and kind of drawing fouls and how he's been – and uh, also, you know, more focused on the outside of things, like how he does his podcast. What's your take on that? I think it's ridiculous. You know, we live in an age of social media where everything is kind of blown up to, you know, to the extreme. I mean, Michael Jordan was 
going, you know, going to casinos before finals games. Lord knows what, you know, a guy like Dennis Rodman was doing, right? And, you know, Draymond Green talking on the podcast sober after games is somehow distracting him from, you know, what's going on in the court. I don't believe that. Does Draymond Green play better? Absolutely. But to blame his podcast on his court play, I just personally find it ridiculous. And then when you look at some of the X's and O's so far in this series, CJ, obviously a strength of Golden State, despite what I think some perceive, obviously, and I know it is a small team overall, but a strength of this team has been the rebounding throughout the postseason. However, for the first time, Boston really uh, kind of drubbed them a little bit on, on the glass in Game 3. I, I know part of Golden State – would love to play Kevon Looney a lot because he is obviously going to help out there. But obviously when you play Looney and Draymond together offensively, it kind of weighs some things down and kind of creates a lack of space. How do you think the coaches will navigate that going throughout the rest of the series? And what do you value more, more space on offense or more rebounding on defense? You know, the Warriors after on the glass is poor in game three. I mean, you know, that's obvious. And there's really shades of that uh, game five in Memphis. And they really got drugged on the board in that game, too. Um, and I, I see what you're saying as far as playing Green and Lee together in the spacing situation. But, you know, here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't necessarily think it's a strategy. This is a strategy issue. It's, it's a want to issue, right? It's, and as simple as that sounds, I think that was just the truth. The thoughts are playing on the home court. They were amped up, full of energy, and Robert Williams, now Wolford, said, you know what? We're going to be bullies tonight. And that's exactly what they did. And it wasn't necessarily a schematics thing. Um, the Warriors out-rebounded the, um, out-rebounded the Celtics in their game to win, uh, I, think by, I think by double figures. Um, so they've proven time and time again, like you said, in this postseason, they've been a solid rebounding team with that game five and Memphis being the outlier. It's just a matter of wanting. They just have to bring in and be ready to match the Celtics' physicality today. And CJ, when you look at this Golden State Warriors team, and, and one of the big issues uh, for them was how Robert Williams played against them. How does the Warriors go into this game four and solve that Robert Williams problem? Well, offensively, you got to get him away from the basket, right? Put him in pick and roll scenarios, um, get him in situations where he's not in front of the rim. Um, to, a lot in the series, this guy's been such a force around the rim in the series, blocking shots. I think he's not blocking him. You know, he's making the Warriors think twice uh, when they drive off the floor. Um, so yeah, offensively, you got to get them away from the basket, get them in action, get them moving, you know, get them a little tired. And, you know, at the other end, you know, and on the pole glass, you know, you got to put multiple bodies on that guy at times. Um, that's offensively. Defensively, you know, you just got to keep them off the glass, box them out, you know, make sure he's not, you know, pulling off into rebounding and catching his opportunities. It's multiple, he's a multiple effort to guy. And this is a guy that, you know, you stop him once, he's going to keep coming. Um, so, again, it comes down to matching intensity and matching physicality. Uh, Robert Williams was the more energized, uh, you know, p- player among the post players in Game 3. And it's going to be on the Warriors to match that intensity. C.J. Holmes with the San Francisco Chronicle is joining us here on Sports Call today. A beat writer for the Golden State Warriors as they trail in the NBA Finals 
two games to one against the Boston Celtics. Game four scheduled for a little bit later tonight. So obviously you're around the Golden State Warriors every single day, CJ. You've seen them throughout this entire playoff run. Let me flip teams though for you. From a basketball perspective and knowing hoops as well as you do, what's been the most impressive thing about this Boston Celtics team? Because going into the series, not a single player on their roster had ever played in the NBA Finals before. Well, to me, the most impressive thing about the Celtics team is their youth, their athleticism, of course, that defense. Um, you know, when those guys decide they want to lock up, they're extremely tough to score on. And, you know, when you got, got young guys like Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, they're young. Those guys can, as a Captain America, Captain America says, they can do this all day. Um, so that combination of youth and athleticism and energy and want to, that's been the most impressive thing uh, in this series. Talking with CJ Holmes here on the program today. Last time we had you on the show, we uh, were going over that fun prompt that we had about what Auburn players uh, that you played with would you want to get a bucket or get a defensive stop, get a rebound. Let's talk a little Auburn hoops with you uh, from the NBA perspective before we let you go here uh, today, CJ. Earlier this week, your head coach, Bruce Pearl, stopped by our radio show, a fun visit that we had. I want to ask you this, though. He's talking about Jabari Smith and why Bruce Pearl believes Jabari ultimately deserves to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Kind of what are you hearing? I know you're around the league a lot. You're in those conversations. And then you've got the uh, Auburn basketball, the Auburn family side of things there with you. What impresses you most about Jabari? This is consistency, man. If you, if you look at that, I'm not trying to be a homer, but if you look at, you know, Paulo Banchero, Chet Holmgren, I think that Jabari was the most consistent of the three, you know, throughout the year. Um, the guy's just a freshman. Um, you know, his combination of size and skill, um, he can shoot the ball from the outside. I mean, you know, he's a guy who can be physical when he wants to. And when he, you know, continues to develop his game and starts to put on the floor, I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, you know, I, I believe he deserves to be the number one pick. You know, not, not that Chad and Paulo don't, but, you know, I just believe that he is the most, the best all-around prospect um, in this year's draft class. Uh, with that said, do I want Jabari to go number one to Orlando? Uh, no. That's a good guy. You know, in a, in a perfect world, and, you know, I know Jabari and Auburn Nation has one of those. In the perfect world, I'd love to see Jabari uh, fall to Houston at three, you know, pair him with Jalen Green. I think that duo would be dynamic uh, for years to come um, down there in Texas. Uh, but, you know, more likely than not, he's going to go number one. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I keep telling myself, you know, that shit hype is real. That shit hype is real. And, um, I haven't heard much out of his workouts yet, but you know, you know how this thing goes. And you know, guys like that, he's that momentum all year long. We'll see how he works out. You know, he's a, he's a guy who can ultimately push his way into the number one pick. Or and, getting you know, closer. You know, has Mo Bamba, multiple post players. Um, you know, Chet's the unicorn. He also has a chance to be a very special, special player. Yeah, we're getting closer. We're 13 days away from the NBA draft, and we'll find out the Orlando perspective. You've got the idea of possibly teaming up Jabari Smith with Chuma Okiki, another Auburn men's basketball player. Being a part of that Auburn basketball family, though, CJ, what does a number one pick from Auburn mean? Like, that's never happened before. What could that mean to the Auburn basketball family? Oh, uh, it mean everything, man. It's just a testament to the program of this program that down there on the plane. You know, <laughs> you know Proud of all my man, but you know, proud of my teammates and, and the guys I had the opportunity to play with. But the program was nothing then compared to what it is now. Um, each year, since Bruce has taken over, maybe not each year, but in recent years, we're, we're putting out, we're putting guys into the lottery 
now we have a chance for Nevada to be number one, number one in the country last year. Um, it's just uh, it's just all the things that come for having a lead back program. That's exactly what the university has right now. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you, CJ. Let's circle back to the finals one more time before we let you go here tonight. Again, game four. People could follow you on Twitter at CJHolmes22 for your coverage for the San Francisco Chronicle. Ultimately, how do you see tonight's game going and what kind of impact can that have on the rest of the series? You know, I think the Warriors will be better tonight. Um, yeah, I think Steph's going to be Steph. You know, hopefully Clay continues to shoot the ball well like he did in game three. I think they will get a little bit more help. Really, in game for you is just staff to play Thompson and Andrew Williams. All right. I think they will get more of a collective effort in game three. I do think they'll be better on the glass. I do think they'll be better uh, defensively because one thing that this Warriors team does is they make adjustments. And if I'm correct, uh, God, I know it sounds terrible to do that. I think wrong, but I don't think they've lost back to back games. Um, I don't think they've lost back to back games uh, this year in the postseason. Um, you guys know that. What's at stake? They know what it essentially means if they go down 3 1. I don't think the Warriors are going to let that happen tonight. I got the Warriors tonight. All right, CJ, we appreciate the time as always. Have fun tonight, and we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Hey, thanks for having me. All right, sounds good. That's CJ Holmes with the San Francisco Chronicle joining us here on the show today. So much fun to chat with him. Always a cool uh, idea or a cool time to be able to chat with someone who played for the Auburn men's basketball team, and now here he is covering the game at the highest level. He has now, in person, sat courtside on press row for three consecutive NBA Finals games. Uh, CJ Holmes 22 is his Instagram and Twitter handle, and he's been posting Instagram stories of the Finals, and it's like the dude is right there by the action, uh, which is just really cool that he's gotten that opportunity in his life. Yeah, from uh, from Auburn to uh, San Francisco yeah. uh, of his place of work. And stops in between. Yep, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't get bigger than that. And I, I know we've uh, we've talked on and off about the finals, but really cool that CJ is 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 doing that. We're glad to get talked to him because I mean, look, that's the biggest thing going on in the in the world of sports right now is the NBA Finals. There's other big things too, no doubt, NCAA baseball playoffs and. NHL playoffs, but uh, you know most eye, the most eyes are on the NBA Finals, and so to get to cover that and be courtside for what everything everybody's talking about, you know, and I thought that was interesting that he uh, was talking about just the desire, you know, that's kind of s- sad to hear about on one standpoint, right? Like that's why I kind of asked from the X and O's perspective about the rebounding in offense because you shouldn't have to find that extra umph in the NBA Finals. Yeah. You know, like, 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 and I'm not disagree with him, with him. I saw the, it too. The I think extra can, umph should be like a Wednesday night in February. Right, like, exactly. And like Cam asked about Draymond because like, I don't recognize this Draymond Green. I don't. And, and, and I've, Draymond Green is the guy that in January or February against the Washington Wizards, he has three steals, two blocks, and nine assists because he's just playing his butt off. You know, and like, like, like I'm not used to seeing this um, be an issue for them. And um, it is concerning. Also, though, I, I don't want to make it all about Golden State because, as you know, JJ asked him about Boston, Boston's really good. And they've been really good and since the middle of the season. And they present a lot of matchup issues because you can't just bully Boston around. You have to want it more than them. And that's a problem because they want it. Marcus Smart, whether you love him or hate him, plays his tail off. 
And all those guys, Brown, Tatum, they're athletic, they're long, they play hard. That's a tough combo. Um, and so this is – I hope Golden State can keep stretching this series out. But the, the margin for error for them is slim. They can't have a 20-turnover game like they have off and on. They can't have a game where they just kind of ball watch. They can't have a game where they don't do good in individual defensive assignments and that sort of thing. So uh, great to get CJ's perspective on it. Great to hear if you're a Warriors fan. Really just a fan of basketball. You don't want the finals to be decided because of injuries, and sometimes that happens. You don't want Steph to be out of this Always final. sucks so, when that happens. So I hope Steph is close to, if not 100% tonight. It's good to hear you. I didn't have a brace on it or anything abnormal this morning so uh we'll see and some last uh last dance references there to uh some of the michael jordan footage that we learned from uh, his runs in the 90s bulls and kind of the criticism that might be out there for draymond green so I just that was cool to see i just appreciated the captain america reference he threw in there he did he did and you're all for any yeah, marvel reference absolutely. that you can walk across cj tweets about marvel things from time to time so and i wasn't phenomenal. surprised at all by that <laughs> and for him to be a former auburn men's basketball player he'll be the first to tell you walk on right not not a scholarship guy at all uh, i've personally played hoops with him before oh. um he is every bit as good as any basketball player that you're going to walk around in your everyday i mean you have got to be some level of good to be playing at that level and from the dc area cj played very competitive aau hoops growing up from a basketball area of the world but to have the idea of auburn potentially having that number one overall pick man that'd be crazy that'd be crazy and for the players that played for that program and wore auburn across the chest that's going to mean more to them than even the fans yeah and well and look i I think there's a lot of reasons to want jabari to go number one if you're an auburn fan uh there's not any disdain for the oklahoma city thunder right and and some people would say that it would make a lot of sense because some people compare him to KD, and, of course, that's where Durant played the first half of his career. Um, but I think it would be so cool to play in Orlando, obviously, because that means Auburn's got the number one overall pick in the draft. But also, think of the close proximity of a lot of his games. Or Orlando's more doable than Oklahoma City, if you want to go watch Jabari. Or, more appropriately, that's going to be a couple times a year. He's going to go an hour and a half yeah. away from Auburn and play in Atlanta, whereas in Oklahoma City, that's just one trip yeah. a year. And so, and you have all, also also you got Charlotte. That's not atrociously far away. There are opportunities to see uh, Jabari Smith in the NBA that are are closer or or at least more frequent than if he went to Oklahoma City. So yeah, it would be incredibly exciting for a multitude multitude of reasons. Plus for Jabari's sake, you know, if if he goes to Oklahoma City, he's getting the KD uh, comparisons. There's that's going to be even more if you go to OKC because they're going to expect you. Oh, he's getting compared to KD. We want him to play like KD, and that could be detrimental to his career because if he's not just like KD at OKC. Yeah. They're just gonna the the fans out there are gonna be like, well, this isn't the guy we wanted, and they're gonna you know you get all Durant upset. Durant would have had thirty two yeah. tonight. He and, only had twenty two. And so you go to a place that you know you you still have the comparisons to KD, but Kevin Durant never played in Orlando, and so Orlando knows they can have a little bit uh, more leeway there. Absolutely, it'd be exciting for Auburn to get uh, the number one overall pick, and for Jabari Smith to see what he could do there with the Thunder or the Magic or the Rockets, whoever it is. I'm sure he's gonna be thrilled. Thirteen days away from the NBA Draft, and tonight, Game 4 of the NBA Finals. We have reached the very end of hour number one of Sports Call today. To open up the second hour, our buddy Keith from Auburn has called into the program. We're going to get a chance to catch up with Keith when we come back in just a moment. Alongside Cam Barry, Brooks Children, and Ryan LaVoy, my name is JJ Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. We're rolling. 
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan LaVoy. Our thanks again to C.J. Holmes of the San Francisco Chronicle for joining us a moment ago to talk about the NBA Finals taking place uh, in this hour at 4.30. Wes Durham will be our guest, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons, and work with the ACC Network and ESPN. And then in hour number three of the show, we've got a nightly TV guide, and we'll also chat with Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network as Auburn baseball is in the NCAA Super Regionals they're taking on Oregon State. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. As we go to the phone lines for the first time in hour number two and joining us now on the show, Keith from Auburn. Keith has called into the program. Hi, Keith. Hey, strangers. How's it going? It's good to hear from you, my friend. We've been worried about you. I'm doing well. Just rolled into Auburn for the weekend, there so I'm go. happy. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I, 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 staying down in Troy through the week, yeah. uh, I thought I'd like that, but when, when you don't get to see your family and grandkids that much, I don't know. If I bet it's difficult, not, yeah. Not. But anyway, I am happy to be back in Auburn. I'm actually headed to my favorite department store in Auburn. Well, there you go. That's setting up a good weekend, then, I reckon. Yeah, I'll give a plug for Goodwill store. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see what kind of gems are in there today, Uh, right? Always. You you can always find good (laughs) stuff in there. That's that's one of my favorite spots to visit. Well, I'm off uh, Monday and Tuesday. I took a couple of vacation days. Look at you. My grandson's got... Yeah, I know it. He's got he's got his first T ball game Monday. Can't miss that. And then uh and then he's got another one on Tuesday, so uh I, I tell you what, I, he's got a glove on him now. He knows he don't know how to use it to catch a ball, but he puts it on his hand and he <laughs> makes an effort, so that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Well well look, we're we're eleven days away from the Thunder Chickens starting their second season, so we <laughs> We might need some extra help. You know, putting a glove on your hand and making an effort is how they describe my defensive game, too. <laughs> That's right, Brooks. Well, listen, it's kind of funny. Uh, that, that T-ball, of course, he's been practicing and all. When he connects with it, he hits it a long way, you know. But the problem is, if he doesn't hit it very far, 
he don't want to run the first. He gets mad. <laughs> so that's the competitive edge in him, right? That's right. You got to run out every ground ball. The unwritten rules of baseball. Absolutely. Hey, I, I was listening uh, to you guys uh, driving into Auburn, and um, I know the NBA draft's coming up, uh, and, and I heard, uh, good gosh, uh, what Jamari Smith? Yeah. yeah. My name slipped me there for a minute. Uh, being uh, uh, mentioned in the same regards to KD. Let me tell you something, guys. Jabari Smith will be two times better than KD ever thought about being in the NBA. Hands down, he's the best player coming out of college basketball, and he is a franchise player, and he he will double up anything KD done. That guy's a worker, and he he's got a lot of talent, and I'd be shocked uh, if if he didn't if he didn't do well. He won't. He, he won't do well. He'll do great. I mean, that's just uh, the guy can play. You know, uh, Auburn got a glimpse of what this guy athletically has. No kidding. And you'll see it. You'll see it in the NBA uh, when he gets out there amongst the uh, the same type of talent. Well, I mean, he's head and shoulders uh, above most of the college athletes uh, yeah. in basketball. Well, look, now, if you, if you want to call Orlando, they've got that number one pick, and if you're promising double what what Kevin Durant's been able to produce, that means we've got four championships coming to the Orlando Magic, two MVPs. I mean, that that's something they would sign up for right away. Well, let me tell you this. I don't know who owns the Mavericks, but if they passed on Jabari Smith, that owner's an idiot. That's all I can say. The Magic, He's yeah. He's a flat-out idiot. Yeah, Orlando Magic, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think he, he's going to do well in the NBA. Um you know, I've kind of been out of touch with everything. I try to listen sometimes when I'm in Troy to you guys, but it's hard for me to call in because I'm so busy and got got things going on in the afternoon. It makes it difficult. But uh, I'm glad that uh, that Auburn made it. Uh, you know, that's, who are they playing? Oklahoma State, Oregon State, Oregon State. Yeah, and and let's see, they beat Vandy in three games, right? That's right. That's right, and that was that was in Oregon State. Correct. correct? It was it was at their place. They're the number three team in the country. Auburn is number fourteen. When you look at the seeds of how this one's matched up, so three versus fourteen. I think it goes three, but I'm going to say Auburn wins that. That's what we want to hear. Uh, I really do. I think they make it work. Now, um, I'm not quite sure if if anybody can beat Tennessee in a three game series, but um, it's not looking know, like it. Somebody, Somebody's going to have an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to play them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But anyway, um, you know, just uh, enjoy listening to you guys. And, uh, you know, I hate that I can't call in as much as I do, but uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to you guys and let you know how much I enjoy your show and, and recently how much I missed it, you know, yeah. when I don't get to listen. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Get out there and hustle and Amen. at my age. I got to get every dime I can get before I decide to uh, call it quits and retire. And you know, uh, if, if Steve Wardell Eagles listening, me being in Troy, me and him may have to meet up about halfway in Dothan or something, and let him buy me lunch. So, Steve, if you're listening, um, I'd be more than happy to meet you sometime in Dothan 
and you can buy me some lunch, and I'll pick the restaurant. There you go. You get that choice. You get that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, guys, uh, appreciate your show. Thank well, you for I'm taking happy my call. That, I'm happy that you got a couple of days off there, Keith. And, and that means, listen, if you've got T-ball on Monday and Tuesday, that means you might be able to give us a call one of those days before you get going. So uh, it, it might what? be a pretty short amount of time until we hear from you again. That is exactly correct. And, you know, my uh, I took off because my oldest son, uh, him and his wife uh, live in Miami, and they've been relocated to uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, to the okay. uh, Air, Air Naval Base out, out there in Corpus Christi. And, you know, they both fly uh, planes for the Coast Guard. But I, I want to see, don't get me wrong, I want to see my oldest son, but I also want to see my granddaughter. Uh, we don't get to see her as much as we do the other two. True. So uh, uh, he called me this afternoon, said that uh, they were leaving this afternoon head to Op- Opelika Auburn but uh Everly's got a uh got the flu so now they're uh they're in a hotel room in Miami on hold uh oh man so she gets to feel a little bit better but hopefully they'll be here sometime you know late tomorrow afternoon or, sure. or Sunday morning and all but anyway guys uh y'all keep up the great work and uh so keep doing what do. you're doing and, and you know you may not hear from me that much but uh I hadn't forgot about you guys. I listen every chance I get. Okay? Likewise. We haven't forgot about you either, Keith. The phone call means a lot. We, uh, we're we glad that you're going to get some family time this weekend, and we'll talk to you again uh, first next week, okay? Absolutely. Y'all guys have a great weekend. All right. That's our buddy Keith from Auburn. He's joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Great to hear from him. And, uh, yeah, I guess we will get the chance to hear from him uh, early next week as well. 334-887-3401 if you would like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. As we'll go ahead and we'll take our first commercial break of this hour. On the other side of this break, we'll take some of your phone calls and continue our sports discussions. All that coming up next right here on Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson here with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Barry. Our thanks again to Keith for calling in a moment ago. If you want to call in to chat with us, 334-887-3401. Coming up in about 15 minutes, Wes Durham, the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, will join our show. Football, right around the corner. We talked a good bit about college football yesterday. That means the National Football League is almost here as well. We'll have training camp in five or six weeks. So it'll be good to talk about the Atlanta Falcons with our good pal Wes Durham here coming up in a little bit. Tonight, game four. Game four of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. BetOnline.ag has the Boston Celtics as a four-point favorite going into tonight's game and over-under set at 214. We have been uh, on our monthly predictions talking about how many double-digit victories would take place in the series. We've had three games and all three of them have been decided by double digits. So, well, I'm uh, out. yeah, 
What did you say? Two. I said three, so I don't need any more to take place. Yeah. I think I said three, so yeah. I need zero more to take place. You know, Can we it, get one-point games the rest of the way, right. please? Well, that'd be great for I the would, populace. Yeah, right. Um, I, I want to be closer. It, it's just it's frustrating, or frustrating from a, a proximity standpoint yeah. because um, you know there are points in the fourth quarter where these games have been close except for game two. But they instead of the team that's up nine or ten with – three, four minutes ago, instead of collapsing that other, yeah, that team blowing it up or the other team making a couple shots to, to hang in there, it, it expands to 15 and 17 yeah. instead of condenses down to four or five or six. So that we'll see if that happens. Like, you know, Golden State, again, for losing by 16 points, they led uh, by a point late in the third, and they only scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. So if they have anywhere near a normal NBA quarter of points, then that ends up being a close game. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Boston's defense. They they do such a good job in the late game. What I've been noticing is Steph has the, the ability to hit any shot on the floor, first right. and foremost. But – he still doesn't throw up. Like, like he has a pretty good shot IQ of, like, yeah. if I've not hit one, I'm not shooting the 30-foot contested three right. yet. I've got to make one or two, and then I'll put up the heat check, ungodly three. Um, and so what's been happening in these fourth quarters is, you know, Steph takes his rest into the third, early fourth, comes back in, and Boston just has this extra tenacity to them on the ball. Like, when you watch Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown – they're great defensive players, but something about them just in the fourth quarter, they just no have breathing this, room. this extra gear yeah. to them that's not there. Steph's able to get off in this series any shot he's wanted in the first three quarters. Right. But in the fourth quarter, he has a – I mean, the shot he was one for three or one for four in the fourth in game three, the shot he did hit was <laughs> was a crossover right. step back to a foot on the line too that's like hey nine out of ten players in the league cannot hit that shot right and that's the shot he had to hit so i think you got to give look you got to balance it out and i feel like the media is just like steph curry's legacy and draymond green sucking yeah. and should he do a podcast and is clay thompson back to health and why can't they rebound but you also got to pay attention to the fact that boston is just a playing very, really good very basketball good game plan exactly i, I agree and, and, you know, when you – again, what we talked about earlier, they've got length, they play hard, they take good shots. There's no obvious no, hole in their team. Like, there isn't. There's small holes in Golden State's team, and then there's really big strengths. But with Boston, it's just like good there, good there, really good there, good there, good there. There's just nothing that's just inherently like, yeah, they can't do that well, and that's what Golden State can take advantage of. I said earlier in the series, my, my last point here is, you know, w- with their starting five – of Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, and Robert Williams. Horford is, in air quotes, the weakest <laughs> right, defender, right. but he's still an average hey, no to above-average yeah, NBA yeah. defender. He's been an all-defensive team player. Exactly. It's it's just that he's older now, and that that you know that's why he would be right. a rung below the other guys. But it's that like he's still an above-average defender. That's just who you got to pick out, though. Like, that's your best bet because you're not, you know, Mark Smart's literally the best defensive player uh, as judged by the entire NBA this year. Uh, Robert Williams has changed the game with his shot blocking and prowess down low around the rim. 
Uh, Tatum is incredibly long and athletic, and Jalen Brown is a really good on-ball defender. He's yeah. first or second team in the league yeah. uh, defensively. So, like, Horford's your best option, and he's not a great option. He's right. not Luka Doncic no. defensively or nope. John Morant defensively. So, um, you know, the Warriors don't have a clear schematic advantage. They've got to out-hustle them, have and to. to this point, Boston's been out-hustling them. Yeah, I mean, every you know, Boston's got all the all the tools to really they've they've got a championship team built top to bottom with the bench, everything that they've got. If you're the Warriors, you just have to lean on your experience, and you just have to you you have to lean on, like you said, out-hustling them because that's what Boston is really. I mean, in turn, that's what they're doing. They're just outplaying you when the fourth quarter comes. They're locking in. You know, and they're they're saying you're not going to get this bucket, you know, especially if you're Steph, you're like Steph's not breathing in the fourth. It's just not happening. So that's where that's where it comes, where these other players, whether you're Clay, whether you're Jordan Poole, you know, I mean, even Draymond, you have to start stepping up and taking these shots in the fourth quarter because it all can't come from Steph. It just can't. You know, they're they're doubling him. They're they're pushing up on him. I mean, he's he's got no room to do anything. So with that, you got to see these guys really step up and and maybe Steve Kerr kind of changes it up. Maybe adds a little somebody throws somebody in there. Maybe um, what's his name? Juan Toscato Anderson, somebody that'll just change something up. Just just something to switch up. Just just to 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 maybe add a little bit of different tenacity to the game. It, it would be one thing if Golden State could say, just focus on one yeah. side of the ball. But because, you, you know, if you wrapped up what Golden State did in the first three quarters, you say, well, they're doing a really good job on Boston's defense. Yeah. But when it's mattered late, 16 points in game one in the fourth quarter, yeah. 11 points in game three. So, obviously, when it matters the most, Golden State is having trouble with this defense. And then you turn around and you say, okay, Golden State just got slammed on the glass. They're really not, you know, Tatum is not having an efficient series, but no. he's getting to his spots. Yeah, and he's passing the ball very, very well. well. And so Brown's had a really good series. Smart has had two out of three really good games. Obviously, everyone knows about Derek White and Al, Al Horford in game one. And so it's like, again, it's not your – not only does Boston not have a perceived weakness, there's not one side of the ball where no. you'd be like, oh, you know, you can kind of give this up. That's why I asked CJ about the Kevon Looney stuff because, yeah, I get it. It was not schematical necessarily. Right. But nevertheless, it was a choice to play yeah. Kevon Looney only 17 minutes. He had seven rebounds in 17 minutes. Right. However, if you do that offensively, You're if Draymond something. Green is going to shoot 30% from the floor and give you absolutely nothing but just a few good passes right. in a game offensively, then you've got two guys that Boston yeah. is not concerned playing, with at you're all. You're playing three on five. Right. And, and it just slows your offense down so much. So, like, that is an issue. And I wonder if this is, like, this, the one series. And granted, I don't know what you would have gotten from him. He didn't play a lick this season. Who was knows? But this might be the one series you wish James Wiseman was alive. Yes. <laughs> because Honestly. he can stretch the floor way more. He actually yes. has an offensive game rather than Kevon Looney. I don't know how he would have projected them defensively, no, but, but, but you're right. But you know, you would have liked to have the option of somebody that is long and lanky and has to be at least respected 18 feet away. So, I, you know, I I think Golden State will not go down and lose the series no. in five, and I think they're going to give it a well of an effort tonight. But Boston's in the driver's seat here because again, there's not one particular thing other than effort. Right. that you feel like Golden State can really make big gains on Boston. We got to this conversation because of our double-digit wins in the 2022 finals with our monthly predictions. We took that Everyone with it. <laughs> either said two or three, except really? Bill Bailey, who said, said like six. Five, six. So like all we, of them. <laughs> we will see how that moves forward. Stathead 
is the name of the company that runs and operates baseball reference, basketball reference, football. I mean, everybody loves those websites. Their right. analytics, their algorithms is better than anybody else. Stathead has it known that Draymond Green's 32.1% true shooting percentage, which true shooting is a combination of two-pointers, three-pointers, and free throws. Draymond Green's 32% true shooting percentage is the lowest yeah. in the history of the NBA Finals for any player with 100-plus minutes on the floor. That's really hard I mean, to be yeah. as bad as Draymond has been offensively. And for someone who loves smack talk more than anybody in the entire world... And knowing how much Boston is chirping at Mr. Draymond Green, I right. would love for him to kind of get back in his bag a little yeah. bit, make some shots, let him chirp a little bit. But in the history of the game of basketball, <laughs> there has not been a worse offensive player in the finals than Draymond. Because like right. they pointed out, it's not like he's not out there on the floor. No. The man is getting some run in. He's getting some cardio in. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really tough, honestly, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and it's also something that I... I kind of alluded to this a little bit in game one where they're allowing Steph to get his at the beginning of the game, which I think in turn is causing all the other Warriors players to essentially go cold. They're not being aggressive. Draymond's always, always looking to pass. Like even when, you know, I mean, there was a time where we've seen Draymond Green make threes in a game, like like consistently can yeah. shoot threes. I've got the numbers for you yes. in just a moment. And, yeah. he's re and, and it's where he's been. He's just not doing it anymore. And it's like, well, you're now you're you're essentially costing your team because you, you we know you can score. We know you can play. We know you're great at defense and we know you can see the floor and you kind of play that floor general, not shooting type of thing. But now I think you just kind of have to change your play style at this point. You have to become more aggressive early in the game so that at least Boston has to respect the scoring aspect of you because they're playing so far off of him just watching. I mean, it, it's he's not even looking to shoot. He's looking to pass yeah. so much that they're just clogging the passing lanes. And I mean, Draymond's just not even looking to shoot. And, and you're playing four on five. Ryan, you get one more thought, and then we've got to get to West Durham, the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, like, their playoff dream on used to be a thing. A thing. Uh, and <laughs> it I, just disappeared. Here's the numbers to prove it. So, again, you're talking about a guy that in his regular season, his highest career average was 14 points a game, and that was during the 73-9 season. On, Every man. other year below 12. So, 14 was an aberration. But in the playoffs – Okay, the first year Golden State won a championship. He averaged 13.7 points per game. Was not great from three, admittedly, that year. He's 27%. But listen to these next two years, okay, the year that they blew the 3-1 lead in the finals. 14 points a game in that year. Shot it at a 36% clip, 36.5% from yeah. three that year. And of course, had a game seven that would have been legendary if he yes. had, if they had one. He played about as perfect a basketball game you play. Right. And then the first year of KD, even with Durant and Clay and all these things going on, still averaged 13 points a game, still averaged nine assists, or excuse me, nine rebounds, seven assists, and shot 41% from three Bro. that year. This year, Draymond Green, yeah. this is the first year other than his rookie year where he's averaging under 10 points a game in the playoffs. He's only averaging eight points a game, and he is shooting 20% yeah. from three. I mean, if you're just aggressive, if you're just more aggressive, the game opens up. That's that's really it. If you just don't be that one-dimensional player that he's, I think he's forcing himself to be, then 
I think the game becomes easier for literally everybody. We shall see. Tonight is game four of the NBA Finals. Celtics have a 2-1 lead. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, Wes Durham joins us here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress here in Auburn as we are so excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on the voice of the Atlanta Falcons and the ACC Network's very own Wes Durham, who's kind enough to join us once again here on the radio show. Wes, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, we're nearing the start of summer officially on June 21st. How's uh, the summer season been for you so far? been pretty quick, to be honest with you. Too quick at my age. It needs to calm down a little bit because a couple of weeks from now they'll be reporting for training camp and I'll be like, where did July go? So the more we can calm this down here, the better off I'll be, I think, this fall. But it's been good, and I hope you guys are well, too. No doubt about it, Wes. We've got some super regional baseball matchups coming up this weekend. Auburn heading out to Corvallis to take on Oregon State. It's always a fun time of year as uh, eight teams are hoping they can advance to the College World Series. You've been around sports uh, many, many years in your career. What does this time of season for college baseball mean to you? Well, certainly, if you've never been to Omaha, I think it's a, it's a bucket list item for any sports fan. Uh, I had the opportunity to go in the early 2000s when I was still at Georgia Tech, and you know it was a terrific experience. And I think it's something. And that was the old Johnny Rosenblatt Stadium. That's not the new ballpark yeah. downtown near the market in Omaha, which is sensational. But uh, it, it's a great event. Uh, my partner in the morning, Mark Packer, calls it the best event in college sports, and. I don't disagree with that. I think for the time it consumes and the people in Omaha do such a terrific job that, you know, you're excited to watch these regionals and, and the way Auburn scores runs, everybody should be watching. But uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to watch and see how many teams can advance to Omaha. And then once we get there, you know, does the game change? Because, you know, the eight teams that make it, uh, two of them are out of there pretty quick. But after that, it, uh, it settles in to be a, a grind for the next seven or eight days, it feels like. So Auburn's getting ready to take on Oregon State. And, and Wes, we're curious, our conversation a lot of this week from so many Auburn fans and, and college baseball fans in, in general are that for the Auburn Tigers, the Pacific Northwest is not somewhere that they get to travel to that frequently. I'm curious, has your broadcasting career taken you out that way? Uh, do you have any, any stories for folks out there? I went to Eugene one time uh, as part of an NIT trip with Georgia Tech. And we weren't there very long, and it was back when they were playing in the old Mack Court, uh, which is uh, was an older building that was built in the 1920s and 30s, I guess it was. The, the only thing I can tell you about Eugene, Oregon, is the University of Oregon's campus is where they filmed Animal House. <laughs> and the bus driver, uh, when we finished the shoot-around the morning of the game, the uh, the bus driver indicated to Bobby Cremins, he said, you know, they filmed Animal House here. You guys want to see some of the spots on campus that, you know, still exist. So he took us by the took us by the building, which was essentially the dining hall where they filmed the food fight scene. The uh, One of the fraternity houses, which I guess was the Delta House at the time, or maybe the one next door that Kevin Bacon was in. I can't remember, <laughs> but 
Um, we also went to the spot near the track uh, where they filmed the uh, the Niedermeyer scene with the horse and Eric That's Stratton right. and Boone were hitting golf balls and all that. We went to that part of campus, too, and that was pretty cool. Believe it or not, that turned out to be about the damn highlight because Georgia Tech lost the game to Oregon uh, later that night, and we got up too early in the morning and flew back to Atlanta. So, But seeing those landmarks from Animal House was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. Auburn and Oregon State this weekend in Super Regional action with the trip to Omaha on the line. All right, we're talking with the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, Wes Durham, here on a Friday edition of Sports Call. Let's play catch-up with you a little bit, Wes, as uh, we're in the off-season mode and OTAs are happening for a lot of teams, the mini-camp portion of the calendar. Let's go back, though. How would you evaluate year one of the Arthur Smith era there for the Falcons? Um, I thought it was a good year from the standpoint of we learned a lot about his coaching disciplines and, and his ability to win close games. I, I thought that was the strength in, in some respect of his first year. Um, they also were pretty nimble, to be honest with you, and I think they had to be with the roster uh, the way it was. And, you know, we saw some positives. I think Cordero Patterson obviously was a terrific player for him, and I'm delighted he's going to be back for this fall. But you can't be as reliant on him to do everything as you were a year ago. I, I think we all understand that. And obviously the landscape changes without Matt Ryan for the first time, right, in 14 years. So, um, you know, it's been a long time since 2007 when uh, Joey Harrington and Byron Leftwich kind of cleaned up and Chris Redmond ended up cleaning up that 2007 year. And now we're going to have somebody other than Matt Ryan take an opening day snap. That's going to be really different for a lot of us, including Dave and I. But I think that, uh, you know, I think we have to understand Atlanta's playing a little bit of the long game here. Um, that's kind of been reflected in free agency. Certainly, I think, more reflective in what they did with the draft perspective as well. You hit on Matt Ryan, obviously, Wes, and, and that uh, a huge thing for the Atlanta Falcons, their franchise player for, as you said, a decade and a half out of there. Did it surprise you at all? And then kind of uh, on top of that, uh, drafting Desmond Ritter. I know Marcus Mariota signed as well, but Desmond Ritter in the draft. What what ty- type of timeline were the Falcons like Ritter on? I'm not sure that they can tell you today because they haven't seen Desmond Ritter in a game environment yet. I think they've watched him play at Cincinnati, and obviously he did a terrific job for Luke Pickle, right? Um, he was a multi-year starter, very accomplished He's a terrific kid, but this is the National Football League, and this is a team that does not have a ton of veteran presence around him. Um, You remember when Matt Ryan took this job, they still had Todd McClure at center. They had signed Michael Turner in free agency. You know, they had Michael Jenkins at wide receiver and Algie Crumpler tight. I mean, they had some pieces here, right? Um, And that's not the case with Ritter. So I understand the Mariota influence, and I see that Kyle Pitts obviously is going to be an emerging talent. But in order for us to find out about Desmond Ritter, I I think Atlanta, and I've jokingly said this, people said, how's Atlanta going to be? They're going to play 17 games. We're going to find out how they are once they start playing games. I think the preseason, though, guys will indicate a little bit of their playing personality, but they're not going to show everything because you open with a division opponent in week one. But I think the timeline for Desmond Ritter, I would not be surprised if he started a game at some point during the season. If he starts 10 games during the season, he better be really good. And if he starts 10 games during the season and it's because of injury, that's another kind of situation. But at some point, I think we all have to accept the fact that Desmond Ritter is probably going to be the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. At least that's the way we have to think about it now. And I think there are a lot of things about this football team 
that are reflective of that kind of approach too. Wes, uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball, what were your thoughts on the Falcons' first-round draft pick in Drake London? Well, I think a lot of people were surprised about wide receiver, but if you really look at what Atlanta wanted, it was gone by the time they got to eight. Now, you know, I was probably in the camp of if you got to that and you didn't have what you want, could you go back in the draft maybe six spots or so? Uh, but London is a captivating guy from a physical standpoint. I was at OTAs a couple of weeks ago, and he's a big kid now. He's a legitimate 6'5 type guy. And if he can make point-to-point catches like he did at USC on occasion, I think he can really help them right away. And I think he and Kyle Pitts can be a problem for a defense if they've got a quarterback that can put the ball on them. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. I understand it in logic postscript of the draft as to why they took London. I know why they didn't back up. I do know that because they didn't feel like the values were the same. Uh, I think deep in their hearts, somewhere along the way, they wanted one of the defensive ends. Thibodeau certainly would have been preferable, I think, for Atlanta. Uh, They might have taken one of the tackles had the situation bore itself out that way. But at the end of the day, they were kind of at eight, and they took the best prospect available. And let's be honest, fellas, that's what Terry Fontenot's always said. We're going to take the best player available in certain situations. And I think Drake London, I can promise you this, he's the best athlete. I mean, you know, like jokingly, it's been on the Falcon website. Is he the best basketball player on the team? He's absolutely the best basketball player on the team. I mean, as a guy who's power five recruited in hoops as well as a power five recruit in football. But I think he's, he's a terrific athlete. Now, I'm, fortunately, we've had guys like Julio Jones around. I'm not going to go there. But I think Drake London has a chance to be a really good wide receiver in the National Football League, in particular with this offense. And Wes, as you mentioned, it, uh, a very exciting rookie last year in the high draft pick of, of Kyle Pitts, obviously year two of, of Arthur Smith. How difficult is it be, to I – mean, I mean, when we look at the NFL, and it's not just the NFL, it's really all leagues, but all leagues obsessed, especially the NFL, with what have you done for me lately and when now and when now. How difficult is it to be patient understanding that there's a multi-year plan <laughs> in place rather than a, a, a win now kind of uh, attitude? I'm talking to guys in Auburn, right, about patience? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that what you have to understand in the National Football League, unlike the college game where we're just out of control with NIL and you can you know, kind of manage from the back front, uh, in the NFL you have to manage off the front, and the front is the salary cap. And I think that's where Atlanta has itself in a tough spot here. We all know that this is the last year of the big cap issue. And you just kind of have to understand that that 21 and 22 are going to be those type years. 23, there may be some remnants of it, but it won't be as significant. So, you know, while I don't think it's a rebuild, I do believe you're trying to reset yourself for the next five to seven years following. And I think they're real about it. So you do have to be patient. I mean, look, but the NFL, see, this is the funny part about the league. And I guess I've been blessed to do it. This will be 19 years this fall. The thing I look at when I, when I stare around the National Football League is there's always somebody that emerges here, right? There's always some team that comes out of somewhere. And if you're Atlanta now, we all understand Tampa's going to be the favorite to win the NFC South and might be the only team from the NFC South. But the one thing we also have to remember is there could be a division that completely falls down in the NFC as well. Could be the East, could be, you know, could be the North, could be the Minnesota-Detroit, although you got to believe Green Bay is going to be pretty good. 
Who knows what happens out west? We've still got a lot of drama out there. But I, but I do believe these guys will try and get better every week. And I think you do have to understand that there is value in waiting this out a little bit. I thought they took care of the one thing they had to do if the Ryan thing went down, and that was to re-sign Grady Jarrett. I think there's one more thing that could potentially happen, and it's been written about in a couple different places, and that could be that Deion Jones is on the move here at some point. And if that happens, we shouldn't be surprised because I think that's part of the long game that Atlanta has to be willing to kind of invest in at this point. Wes, when you look at where the Falcons are right now in the offseason as we're getting ready to head toward uh, training camp here in about a month, month and a half away from now, what do you think right now is the strongest position group on this team? Wow. Um, good question. In my opinion, the strongest position group right now might be tight end <clears throat> because behind pits you've got you know, you got a couple of guys. You got three veteran free agents back there. <clears throat> You've got uh, you got a uh, kind of a, a Swiss Army knife a little bit in Patterson, but I but I think Pitts headlines that group. But, you know, it's interesting. A conversation at OTAs a couple of weeks ago was how many tight ends does Arthur Smith think he'll keep? And he was asked the question. He said, you know, whatever you think the number is, add one. So if we're going to talk about a, a roster number that's probably going to have an inordinate amount, I would say tight ends would be the one right now. And a lot of people may say why, but look at his offense. I mean, last year he put Pitts off the formation far more than he put him on the formation, right? And so Kyle Pitts is listed as a tight end, but I don't think he's a, quote, tight end the way we look at tight ends. Um, but I think they've got you know three or four guys there who can also help at that position. So, you know, just by inventory alone, I think that's probably one of the stronger spots. It doesn't mean I don't think they're good in the offensive line. doesn't mean I don't think they're better defensively. I'm just not sure we know who those people are. I will say this, though. If you want me to, to prospect one, I'll tell you, linebacker could be the best position by, by day one of the season because I do believe the Anderson kid out of Montana State, the D'Angelo Malone youngster from Western Kentucky, they're, they're both ballers now. Um, those guys can really play. They're athletic as get out, and I, I'm excited to watch them play in the preseason. And, and in some ways, it's like we said, J.J., the, the preseason is going to be as entertaining for Atlanta as it is for anybody in the league because just of the numbers they're going to have to evaluate and see where that 53 falls on opening day. And Wes, you kind of set me up there talking about the tight end room for this Atlanta Falcons team because there's a name I wanted to bring up in our conversation as so many SEC names and fans know. Felipe Franks, a Florida quarterback, yeah. an Arkansas quarterback. Now, Wes, yeah. we're, we're seeing him at tight end? Well, you got to remember, too, this is the same coaching staff that moved Avery Williams from defensive back to running back at OTA. Right. I mean, these, these guys are – I mean, when I tell you that it's, it's a forward-thinking group here – those are two examples of it. I think Felipe Franks could be on the 53 every week. And, oh, by the way, you, you may say, well, he's a third quarterback, but he could also be a tight end. He played on special teams last year. I mean, I don't think we're breaking any news here saying that Felipe Franks' days as a quarterback might be few and far between, and he may be able to help a football team. I mean, he's a big kid now. I don't know if you guys have ever been around him. He's enormous. Um, I mean, he looks like a box power forward in basketball. You know, he runs around in shirt and shorts. So I think um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Avery Williams has already made the move. I have no idea if he can make the roster, but I know he's going to be the return guy. 
So does he make the offensive or defensive card? I don't know, but he's on teams. Um, but I think Felipe Franks is another one of those guys that you got to look at and say, okay, what else can he do besides be your number three quarterback? Because let's be honest, guys, if he were going to be in the quarterback mix, they would have never done this, right? Right. They see Mariota and they see Ritter as the two guys that are going to be the quarterbacks on this roster. Franks can be the number three, but he's got to be able to help them somewhere else too, given the given the process they're going through. Wes Durham, he's the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, always kind with his time. Let, let's sort of wrap with this. We love getting updates on uh, the former Auburn Tigers and where they're at in the football world. We know Marlon Davidson finally stayed healthy there in 2021 and contributed a good bit. What does this next season look like for him in your eyes, Wes? I think he's got to fight to stay on the roster. He's probably in toward the end of his rookie deal. I, I think the situation is for him that, uh, that he, you're going to battle for a spot here. Uh, now, certainly his experience level helped. He did stay healthy, uh, made plays, but at the same time, too, that's a competitive piece of this football team right now. Um, you know, there's some guys that you find themselves in a different spot after a year or two. It's been a weird couple of years for Marlon, but at the same time, I, I think if everybody gets to normal here and we get into August in a regular camp site, and cycles and things like that, Marlon maybe gives himself a chance to make the team and make some plays. And I think the preseason, to be honest with you, J.J., will be enormous for him. It was pretty wild last year seeing him get his first career sack and interception yeah. against Brady. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady. I mean, how about that? How's your first pick, Marlon? I was a pick six of Tom Brady. So there you go. <laughs> Wes, yeah, you're put that one on the wall. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. Wes, we always appreciate the time. Thank you again for stopping by and chatting with us here in Auburn. Okay, guys, be well. Take care. Have a great summer. That's our good buddy, Wes Durham. He's joining us here on this edition of Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call. On Tiger 95.9. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan LaVoy. Our thanks again to Wes Durham. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Does work with ESPN and the ACC Network. Football's right around the corner, as we mentioned. It's off-season training activities. Training camp will start in July, and uh, it's a big year for the Falcons. It's year two of the Arthur Smith era, and as we discussed and as Wes pointed out, he's been doing this. He's going into his 19th season as the play-by-play voice of the Falcons. 14 of them, Matt Ryan was your quarterback, and now it's entirely new. It's a whole new quarterback room for that franchise. You've got Desmond Ritter, the rookie that was just drafted, and then Marcus Mariota. Like, quarterback is a position that we're always so fascinated by, and, uh, yeah, big questions need to be answered by the Falcons. I'm excited. I think uh, a lot of people have written off the Falcons kind of as, like, a team that's probably going to draft a quarterback next season, but I think that it seems as though the front office has a has a is a fan of Desmond. Um, his IQ, you know, maybe his athleticism might not be the greatest, but I think I think he's I think he might be the one that's going to end up being our guy. Um, if we're bad, we're bad, but you know, we might 
I mean, last season they said that we were going to be terrible, um, and we finished, you know, maybe not with a winning record. I think we finished seven and nine, something like that, which, I mean, seven wins. I'll take that. Yeah. First year head coach. Remember we had or, 17 games for the yeah. first time last year. Right, right. Oh, seven and seven ten, and maybe? Ten. Seven and ten. I think that's that sounds right. Um, so, you know, some, with that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I think we could, you know, we we could we could do a little bit of a little bit of damage, maybe some movement here. I'm definitely excited to see uh, where this team goes, and uh, I like the way that Arthur Smith is is building the team. Him and him and Terry Fontenot. So I'm I'm really excited. Confirmed that they were seven and ten seven and a ten. season yeah. ago. The uh, Buccaneers thirteen and four, Saints nine and eight. Falcons seven and ten, Panthers five yeah. and twelve. Yeah, I know we had seven so wins. So. We've got uh, we've got obviously this quarterback dilemma. Uh, with any football team going into a new season, most frequently you feel that way. Atlanta hasn't had in this position yeah. for a while because Ryan was there for so long. That. So many of our NFC South teams have played against Matt Ryan for so many seasons. It's going to be really weird to see another quarterback taking snaps yeah. for the Falcons. God. Yeah, I mean, that's most it? of our developmental football lives. Oh, my gosh. So Marcus Mario is going to be just a little bit different. Um, And also, what's going to be different is the fact that the number one and number two overall picks from that draft will be in the same division for neither of the teams that they were drafted for, either Tennessee for Mariota and Winston for Tampa Bay. But, um, you know, I I think with Atlanta, one of the problems with really the entirety of the NFC South this year is defense. uh, Well, I was going to say um, the the, schedule is difficult for everybody. Also Uh, true. Um, you know, obviously Tampa has a, a ringer because they, on top of the divisions that the South plays, they've also got Dallas and Kansas City, and um, you know, a, a slew of top Green Bay. But even with the, the entirety of the NFC South, everyone in the South plays the NFC West and the AFC North this year. Well, in the AFC North, uh, the runner-up for the Super Bowl was Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns are an incredibly talented team, although we got to see what happens with John right. Watson. But even with Baker Mayfield, they are a capable winning double digits i feel like this year uh baltimore only fell apart because lamar jackson got hurt last year they were the number one seed in the afc before jackson got hurt um and then pittsburgh has never repeat never with mike tomlin gun under 500 so even though they've got a lot of changes the team around whoever plays quarterback for them whether it be kenny pickett or whoever else uh mitchell mitchell trubisky i guess the other one there um, is still good enough to be at least a decent team, if not yeah. a, a solid team. Uh, and then obviously in the NFC West, well, who the, the Bengals lose to? Well, they reside in the <laughs> NFC West, yeah. the yeah. Los Angeles Rams. No kidding. Um, the Cardinals should be good, although the DeAndre Hopkins suspension, uh, looking at Atlanta's schedule, they looking for the Cardinals game is way down in January, so yeah, everyone will be yeah, back will for be Arizona back. by then. But uh, so that's a tough Arizona team. Uh, and then the 49ers were the team that the Rams beat to make right. the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> so uh, only the Seahawks of the eight teams I just said figured to not be a very good football team this year. So anyway, it's a lot of tough games for everyone in the NFC South. Um, you know, I, I think that Atlanta shouldn't probably measure themselves in win-loss this nah. season. And that's the question I was kind of getting at with West Durham is, are your young guys impressing you? You know, yep. like if Desmond Ritter does get an opportunity, Quality how losses. does he look? Right. Uh, does Kyle Pitts continue to take that next step into elite tight end status? Is Drake London get off to a good start in the National Football League? Uh, what's going on then on the defensive side of the ball? So um, I think that's more ris- realistically 
um, what you're kind of looking at when you are Atlanta this year and you know that you know you open the season you have one really fun game in the first seven um, (laughs) and that's the Seahawks but the other games you start with New Orleans in Atlanta go to the Rams then that Seattle game then host Cleveland at Tampa Bay host San Francisco at Cincinnati uh, is a very brutal uh, start. There's no Carolina in that. Carolina then comes up next to Fitch <laughs> JJ. Uh, but, again, it, it's just a schedule uh, that is very difficult, again. And and even so, because the Falcons did finish third, you know, playing Washington not as fun as playing the Giants, playing Chicago not as funny – or not as fun, <laughs> funny, fun, fun uh, – it's not as fun as playing Detroit. So right. even then, those are those 50-50 type of games. Uh, that can be frustrating and menacing at times because both teams feel like they should win them. So, um, again, I wouldn't worry too much about the win-loss with nah. Atlanta or Carolina for that uh, standpoint. Carolina's got to figure out their quarterback situation, which is Yes, not indeed. Great. Sam Darnold. Uh, <laughs> got to figure it out. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey needs to have a healthy season, but – um, yeah, the South is the, – the, the teams that don't win the South this year just need to prepare for when Tampa does have another changing of their guard because then the division will flip again. And so you need to be ready for when Tom leaves Tampa because then that will be opportunity for anyone in the division to win it. Our thanks again to West Durham, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Falcons, for joining us here on the program. We have finished the second hour of Sports Call. Still to come, Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network will join us here on the show. We'll have what to watch for over the weekend and a nightly TV guide. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Canberry, my name is J.J. Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Cam Barry as we get off and running in hour number three. Let's do this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, it's our Daily Show Recap here on this Friday. We have already spoke with C.J. Holmes from the San Francisco Chronicle to preview tonight's Game 4 
of the NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Celtics. He is a former Auburn University men's basketball player. Talked about the Auburn basketball family as Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler hope to hear their name called in the NBA draft 13 days from today. Also got an opportunity to catch up with Wes Durham, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Falcons as it's off-season time for the Dirty Birds here on Tiger 95.9 FM. We're so thrilled to be getting ready for uh, the third season that we're airing the Falcons radio network coverage here on Tiger 95.9 FM each and every Sunday. So awesome to catch up with him. Coming up here in just a little bit, Brad Law will join us from the Auburn Sports Network to preview Auburn baseball as they get set for their Super Regional Series against Oregon State. Uh, This weekend here at home with Tiger Communications, we've got our poker run that gets started tomorrow. Uh, They're going to have another fun day at the lake. Lake Martin 23rd Annual Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run. You've been hearing the commercials a lot each and every day leading up to the event, and we're glad that it's finally here. That's taking place tomorrow. What we need to do right now, Brooks, and we have not discussed this a lot this week, I can scientifically prove that we have not done this a lot this week. And that's talk about the Atlanta Braves, which is wild because they've won eight games in a row after another 3-1 to win last night, their first win of the series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it's Pirates. working. Yeah, let's, gonna, not say, it let's, let's not do it then. Let's not do it then, you know, because I would love for the streak to stay alive. So, so you know. Let's not talk about the Atlanta Braves then. We appreciated Ben Ingram joining us on the show a little bit earlier in the week. Scheduling conflicts. We weren't able to chat with uh, Kevin McAlpin. He's always been our Friday guest for Braves baseball. I- I've been having fun. I mean, it's just been so much fun to watch him each and every night. Another great outing last night by Max Freed Brooks. And then they turned it over to the bullpen to shut it down. Yeah, rather low-scoring baseball game last night. Uh, bullpen came in. Shut things down. Got a 3-1 to win over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Open up the four-game series. Got another one tonight. Spencer Strider going to the mound for the Braves tonight. And you got two afternoon Strider games to wrap day. up that series and wrap up the homestand uh, for the Braves before you go. And, it, again, we, we play afternoon tomorrow? At, uh, yeah, 3-10 p.m. First right. pitch uh, over on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, we've talked about it. Braves are in the middle of a very winnable stretch. They had the Marlins for three. They had the D-backs uh, for three, which didn't go as the the Braves planned for that one. But then you had the Rockies, the A's, the Pirates. You've still got the Nationals coming up. You've got the Cubs before you hit those Giants of San Francisco here in a couple weeks, uh, two two weeks from uh, or a week from Monday night. Uh, they'll host the San Francisco Giants Monday, June twentieth, and that's your first real series that you start to get concerned about the Braves. Uh, you know, the Braves shouldn't be able to win. You know, it not necessarily counted in that the Braves are going to win that series, but very, very winnable stretch from the middle of it for the Braves, and uh, coinciding with a very uh, tough stretch for the New York Mets. The Braves are trying to track down, gained a half game last night as the Mets did not play, six and a half games back of those Metropolitans as they get ready to open up a weekend series against the Los Angeles Angels, who have just gotten off a very long uh, losing streak. Shohei Otani finally homered for the first time, and it seems like forever last night. So maybe maybe the Angels can get their feet back under them for this weekend and uh, give, them, give the Mets a big series uh, this weekend out there. And uh, the Braves have to finish things up with the Pirates here for three games. But uh, very, very winnable, winnable times here for the Braves. Yeah, obviously really encouraging because it was just looking like Atlanta was just going to meander below 500 for X amount of time again. 
Uh, so to get on this hot streak and to be truly taking advantage of the weaker part of your schedule before things pick up again um, later in June with the with the uh, I want to say Mets and Dodgers or maybe just the Dodgers, but it is the Giants, Giants and the Dodgers, Dodgers and the Phillies um, and, and the Phillies who've won seven in a row uh, after firing Joe Girardi. So um, it, it's important to be taking care of the stretch, and Atlanta's more than doing that right now. It's good to see Acuna play this many games in a row in the outfield. Um, yeah. it does not seem like he has restrictions at this point. He's feeling a hundred percent and hope it stays that way. And, and really everybody is kind of getting it going as you look up and down the lineup. And, uh, I know knocking on some wood in the studio, but, uh, I can't, I'm sorry. I have to, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been, it's been good to see all that. It's good to see Michael Harris, uh, holding his own so far, uh, and with Atlanta. So yeah, no, I, the Braves are, playing really good baseball right now and uh, just got to keep on keeping on still a long season a lot of games left they got to find a way to win and uh, they've been finding ways to win and now it's a matter of uh, keeping it up and seeing how far they could push this winning streak but boy winning is so much greater than the opposite it is. it's amazing honestly it's uh, Ryan was right right in the sense of you know we kind of thought this team might just kind of sit around and just hang around 500 for you know uh, x amount of time and then try and turn it on but um, you know, obviously we can't do that with how well the Mets are playing in our division this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we've turned it on. We're playing, playing great, taking great advantage of, of what, um, of the stretch that we've got against these weaker teams. So let's just hope to keep it going. We're reigning world series champs, reigning world series champs. It's pretty I, sweet. Yes. I really want to go to that July 11th game because that's when they're giving out. That's the last chance that I'll be able to get one of those replica rings that they're giving out. And that would complete my 2021 World Series I know, and, and see, and just your tour, because reminding people, Ryan Brooks and I didn't get this opportunity, but you and your pops were at the yes, parade when yes. the Braves won the World Series. Yes, we were at the parade. It was an amazing Tons experience. of people. So many people. I got to see the trophy. It was amazing. <laughs> Everybody was celebrating. Everybody drove right by. I was right in the front. Um, have That's just an absolutely great memory. Like, I'll never ever forget it i hope to be able to celebrate it with all of my other teams as well yeah not sure if that's going to be able to happen but at least the braves gave me something and now you want to feel it again for the I, Braves. i know right yeah <laughs> feel it one time and just i i get it now like you, you just want it more and more and more spencer strider is going to be on the mound today for atlanta he's uh he's becoming is he not he is yeah he is i am yeah, he is. Oh, okay. He is, he is. Okay. I was I was moving my head to watch the fastball go by really quickly. <laughs> so I can see how that could be misconstrued as a Strider day. shake of the head. But, no, I was just watching the 98, 99-mile prior fastballs. It's kind of – Yeah, go by. That is so clever. That's yeah. incredible. Sorry, sorry I threw a change-up or a curveball <laughs> on you. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I, is he disagreeing with me? Did I read something wrong? Did I get – but that is <laughs> – that is no, amazing. Spencer he, Strider, yeah. What I was gonna add on Spencer Strider is that he's almost like a great cult hero for the Braves. Like so many people yeah. have fallen in love with this guy. Well, and the the thing is he has potential to be even more than just a cult guy, you know. Like he's a rookie that's throwing ninety eight, ninety nine, hundred and uh has got the stash working and <laughs> yeah. uh and it's interesting because you know, I'm working he on my was Spencer a stash. He was a starter in the minor leagues, but no when comment. he first pitched with Atlanta, 
he had mostly bullpen outings. And yeah. now they're kind of getting him back to his role because the Braves were struggling with that five spot. And so it's, you know, he's not had as crisp of outings, more so just because he's had that one bad inning. Like he's had a couple innings of dominance and then he'll get up two or three runs and then go back to dominance for a couple more innings. But, um, you know, he is a fascinating guy because he just, he's a pretty small guy too. Like he's not like the 6'6 six, six no. unit that's like, oh yeah, big old boy he coming in there and throwing power. gas. Uh, he just explodes though. Where are we at with Ian Anderson in 2022? Um, you know, still Ian is always going to be a guy that's about pitch count because he throws that changeup over and over and over again, and there's going to be some teams that just don't swing at it as much. Yeah. And so trying to get outs becomes pretty difficult when teams set off the changeup. And so I've I, uh, countless times already in his young career I've seen, well, he's threw four at 82 pitches, you know, and, and – and so that that's the thing. He's pitched pretty well. He's not pitching bad. You know, I, I think the only guy that's been struggling truly for Atlanta is Charlie Morton. Morton. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ian is just always on pitch count watch. And can he get you deep into the game? Because he's tried to develop that curveball more uh, as another secondary pitch, which is very important because, again, you know, when you just are primarily fastball change – you know, you just see that pitch down, you let it go. You don't have something that you can really strike guys out and finish a, a yeah. bat with. The other night, Chip Carey on TV coverage talking really positive updates on Tyler Matzik, uh, Kirby Yates, and then Mike Soroka as well. Am I forgetting a Waskari Noah injury? No, he's in Triple A Gwinnett. Okay, that's okay. He had a game a few nights ago where he. I was either throwing a no-hitter or a one-hitter through like six or seven innings. Okay. And I don't know what became of that, obviously. So could possibly no join the team again at some point this season. Uh, he'd be an option. Yeah. Um, but if Strider pitches well or there's no injuries, then I don't really see that happening just for a bullpen role. I mean, maybe. Freed, Strider, Anderson, Morton, and who am I missing? Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright's been awesome. Surprisingly <laughs> the awesome. The yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Was so, uh, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, Waskar, you know a – at Triple A Gwinnett this year is two and two with a four twenty five ERA. Not so, gonna cut it. Nothing to write home about. But I again I would caution people. Statistics in the minor leagues are not what they seem. They call up guys all the time hitting two fifty and have high threes ERA. It's not like someone's got, oh gosh, a one point one ERA. I guess he should move up to the next level. It's not like a progression level of a video game. Let's uh take our first break of hour number three on the other side. Brad Law joins us here on Sports Call. you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm jeff whitaker jr former auburn tigers defensive tackle and national champion and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 All right, welcome back into Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress, and we are so thrilled and excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Joining us now all the way from the Pacific Northwest, our good buddy Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network as we get set for Auburn baseball and the Super Regionals versus Oregon State. Brad, the time is always greatly appreciated. This might be one of the longest phone calls distance-wise 
that we've ever had with you on the show. I think it's safe to say that it is. Yeah, 26 or 2,700 miles, uh, the difference between Auburn and Oregon. And uh, this is this is the western half of Oregon, too. I looked at the map on my phone last night when we finally got to the hotel, and you just, just kind of had to look at it and look how far away it is from home. And, wow, we are we are literally on the other side of the country right now, <laughs> and it's a big country. So, yeah, but but we're excited about why. 16 teams left competing in college baseball, and Auburn is one of them. They- so, Listen, that's fine with me. Send, send us to Alaska if you need to. <laughs> Whatever it takes to keep moving forward. As you said, Auburn, one of 16 teams left with that national championship hope. So uh, we can't set up a Super Regional without properly addressing what took place uh, over the weekend. 51 runs for the Auburn Tigers offense in the regional. Let's hold that for just a moment. Let's talk pitching. What stood out to you about Auburn baseball's pitching and their regional performance? The consistency, and, and I don't know that you can talk about it totally without um, referencing the offense, and because the offense got out to such quick start. You know, 11 runs in the first inning against southeastern Louisiana, and so Trace Bright goes five. He throws 100-plus pitches to get you five innings, but he's able to work out of a little bit of trouble here and there. Um, and, you know, he's going to want more strikes. Um than he threw against southeastern Louisiana, against Oregon State this weekend, but he was consistent. All three starting pitchers gave you at least five innings. Joseph Gonzalez, you know what you get with him. He was steady. And then Mason Barnett simply had the best start of his Auburn career against UCLA. So um, it's hard to win a regional without a couple of really strong starting outings. Um you had a regional where there were a couple of influential and important pieces of the bullpen that didn't pitch at all because of how deep the starters were able to get into those ball games. And, and Brad, obviously the big story of the week and of the regional was Auburn's offense scoring 51 runs in three games. And, and after a week in which Auburn had been pretty disappointed by their offense and, and by uh, their play overall against Kentucky, I mean, uh, were indications before this regional that something like this was on the horizon? Did it feel like a matter of time, or, or was this just completely out of nowhere? I, I wouldn't say there were indications, but I would say that it's not all that surprising because it's been a consistently good-hitting team all year, right? The, the Kentucky four-game set in Lexington and Hoover was an anomaly, and you kind of thought that it would be because they hadn't had a, a stretch of games like that all year. Um, so it could have gone one of two ways. It could have carried over, and then you could have ended the season saying, man, what a bad time to go on your first real hitting slump as a team of the season. But, you know, this team just doesn't do that. They don't stay mired in stuff very long. They never lost more than two games in a row all season. And um, you just kind of thought that offensive funk was, was going to break. So they got back. They, you know, retooled some stuff. They kind of refocused things and, a couple of players call it a, a really hard reset. And then, uh, you know, when you when you score 11 runs in that first inning, when your first eight batters reach without, the, you know, before the first out of the game is made, that's one thing. And at the end of the first two games, back-to-back nights, you can't really find one at bat that was just given away. Where somebody tried to go off script and, you know, maybe they try to pull when they should have gone to the opposite field or, Maybe they 
behind in a bat like that. And those were two games that were totally out of hand early. But still, even in the latter stages, they didn't get in. Cole Foster is a big piece of that. Cole coming back from injury wasn't available against Kentucky. He came back really strong when he was injured, uh, when he had a shoulder injury earlier in the year at the start of SEC play. Came back and had five hits in his first two games back and then had hits in seven of eight games coming back after that injury. Thought he might perform well coming back again from injury. He exceeded those expectations. And then, you know, Blake Rambush and Sonny DeShera were strong. And Brody Moore was a regional MVP. He was strong. They really just linked together the at-bats from top to bottom. Brad, I uh, want to talk about what you saw over the weekend from regional MVP Brody Moore. What, what were your takes on his game this weekend? Well, he's laser-focused. Uh, I, I know that. I know he had an error in the first game. He was out of hand. Um, he's been so steady, and it means so much to him. I mean, I saw a passionate guy. We've seen a steady, consistent worker all year long. But then you see a guy who, you know, almost got emotional talking about what it meant to him to look out and see the Auburn family celebrating that regional, um, to, to know what it means to the school and to the community and um, to, to this team. They put in a lot of work. And, and he showed it. You know, had a five-hit game against Florida State, uh, reached base six times in that game. Um, I think it meant something to him to be the tournament MVP. Again, this is it's not new. Now, he hadn't had a five-hit game this year, but he's had several multi-hit games. He's made a habit of going the other way. He's, I mean, he's just been a rock for this baseball team. Hasn't garnered the headlines that a Sonny DeShera has garnered this year that the pitching sometimes garnered. And he's okay with that. He just goes and does his job and does it exceedingly well. Brad, I know you asked this uh, question to one of the players on the uh, in the postgame show the other day, and I'm sure people have seen it online, but if in case they weren't listening to the postgame show, tell us about the Bad News Bears jersey. Well, yeah, they, uh, they saw the Bears jersey. Brody explained it that uh, they saw one at the SEC tournament, and it was too expensive to buy there. So they, they found one on Amazon, and it's kind of been their mantra in the dugout um, that when they break it down. They put all their hands in and say, one, two, three, bad news. So the idea there is that they are bad news for any team that they're going to come up against. And it doesn't matter whether they're at home at Arizona or on the road at Texas A&M or LSU uh, or on the road in Arlington to start the season or on the road within the state of Alabama like they went throughout the regular season and claim these, these road victories. Uh, bad news is coming, is what they like to say. So, uh, I think that applies to Corvallis, Oregon, as well. And so when you have bad news traveling, you got the, the movie reference to the bad news bears. Uh, they now have a bears jersey just as a little, just as a tangible reminder that they're trying to bring bra- uh, bad news wherever they go. When you look at the great individual offensive performances this past weekend, as it pertains to translating to Oregon State, Whose performance was most important in your eyes? Was it Sonny DeSherry getting off the snide, or just who was most important in terms of getting it going in time for the Corvallis Super Regional? It's it's a really good question, and I don't know that I can answer with one, because if one person stands out above the other, like if one person has a great weekend and nobody else does, Auburn probably not, they're probably not advancing. I think it's got to be just like we saw this past weekend. Now, look, it doesn't have to be an average of 17 runs a game, I don't think, but, um, but, but multiple guys. I think you have to have Blake Rambush and Sonny DeShera 
Those are the two that Kentucky fairly effectively shut down, and there was a carryover to that. So I think, you know, Blake is the guy at the top of the lineup. Sonny is the guy who's been in the three-hole most of the year and for most of the season has been the best hitter in college baseball. If your leadoff guy and the best hitter are performing at a high level this weekend, then I think what that does is translate, and now the other guys are doing the same thing. And I think Cole Foster being between those two is uh, it obviously we know how it worked it well last weekend. He set a new regional RBI record for, for Auburn. Um, if those three together are now linking things up, uh, then you know to go back to the last question and answer that's that's bad news I think for anybody. Brad Law, the Auburn Sports Network, is joining us here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. He and Andy Burcham will have your play-by-play coverage. You can listen to it here in the Lee County area starting tomorrow night on FM Talk 93.9. So, Brad, Oregon State is the opponent for Auburn baseball. Let's kind of do a deeper dive there with the Beavers. Like, what, what stands out most about this Oregon State team in 2022? To me, it's the fact that as a team, they're hitting close to 300, and they only have one, you know, real consistent home run threat. Only one guy who has double-digit home runs this year. Um, but they have guys that hit doubles. They have guys that steal bases. And they, they find ways to get on base. Um, so they're consistent from an offensive standpoint. And uh, they have a deep pitching staff as well. Uh, they have Cooper Jerky, who some people think is the best pitcher in college baseball, has 155 strikeouts in nearly 98 innings. He's 10-2 and two this year. Um, and he's only given up three home runs. Uh, they have another starter, uh, Jacob Matz, who's 8-2 and two and has uh, doesn't, doesn't have the same strikeout numbers, but uh, between Jerpy and Matz, those guys are 18-4 and four on the year in, uh, uh, in 16 and 15 starts, respectively. So what can Auburn do against the starters? Can they hang around? Can, can, they, can they hit those guys early? Jerpy is a left-hander. And Auburn knocked the two lefty starters it faced in the regional out of the game without recording an out. I don't necessarily expect him to do that against Jerpy, but you know he's not a guy who has historically, or at least in his last several big games this year, he's not going seven and eight innings. He's going five or so and getting to 100 pitches. So can Auburn be patient against him, do some damage against him, maybe get him out of the game early, and get into the bullpen. There's still a challenge there because they're good in the bullpen. But um, I'd, I'd rather face those guys than those those two starters I mentioned before. Oregon State is a program that's won three national championships, three titles since 2005 even. What have you heard about the atmosphere uh, of this program walking into the, the weekend Super Regional? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. We, uh, we will go, I, I guess, very soon and see this, uh, this ballpark, Goss Stadium. It is... One of, if not the oldest uh, college baseball parks in the country, and it's been renovated numerous times. But, um, but, but this site is one of the oldest in the in the country. Uh, it holds a few hundred fans fewer than Plainsman Park. But again, because of the history and because of the success historically they've had, and now they're in a position again, if they can win this weekend to go back to Omaha. Um, yeah, I, I would expect a similar atmosphere to what we experience at Plainsman Park. What? How did you and uh, Andy stay entertained this past weekend, Brad? There were a lot of rain delays, a lot of uh, dead time to kill while you were trying to get baseball games back in. How did you stay entertained? 
I was trying to convince Albie to go uh, sliding on the tarp, whenever the tarp covers the field. He wouldn't do it. He one, he one time um, tried to get me to go with him. So, you know, we were looking at each other through the glass. And I said, okay, you go. And then he pointed at me and as if to say, no, you go. And then he, he pointed to, as if to say, why don't we both go? And, uh, you know, the bosses wouldn't allow it. But I, I was ready. I was willing to give it a try. <laughs> Brad, it's so great to chat with you. We're looking forward to listening to you and Andy on the call. Give us one more plug for your coverage all weekend long and uh, just what's going to take place this weekend between Auburn and Oregon State. 9 o'clock Central tomorrow night and Sunday night. Uh, so uh, 8.45 airtime, both games. Uh, if Auburn just wins both of them, then we don't worry about Monday. But there we go. You know, if they split, the, if they split the first two game time Monday, still to be determined to still to be announced. But yeah, we're 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 going to enjoy bringing you this story from from Corvallis, and uh, hopefully it's a winning weekend for Auburn. Brad, the time is always greatly appreciated. We'll talk to you again soon. War Eagle, sir. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That's Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network. He's joining us here today on Sports Talk. <laughs> Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM. We're getting uh, through this Friday edition of Sports Call. Closing out the week, J.J. Jackson with Cam Barry, Brooks Childress, and Ryan Lavoy. Got about 11 minutes left in the show today, and we are so excited to take more of your phone calls as we will now go to our Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us now on Sports Call is our very good buddy, James from Montgomery. James has called into today's show. Hi, James. Hello and War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. How are you? I am good. I am good. I am actually here at the Biscuits game. We haven't even started yet. No way. We'll be... You call us from the Biscuits game. Yeah, so we'll be starting in, I think, 45 minutes to first pitch, 45 minutes away. But with that being said, I do have something to break the sports ice. I'm going to be talking about the Auburn football schedule that I've been um, looking at over the uh, summer uh, yeah. week as well. This is a perfect and, icebreaker. Tell me about the Auburn football schedule. And I'm actually looking at our first two games of the season to open up the 2022 season. I think our first game will play Mercer, so I think that's going to be a, blow, a barn burner blowout as well. Yeah, it should be. A, hopefully Auburn can get a big win there. Yes, as well, because with Zach Calzada coming in into the um, starting lineup as well, I've been looking at some Twitter feed that uh, Zach Calzada is looking really good as well, and I'm going to see what he's really going to approve, what he's going to approve to the Auburn Tigers and to um, Brian Harson as well. Yeah, hopefully he can have a big impact this season for the Tigers. 
ESS. Well, and then I'm looking at the Auburn men's baseball team because I know we have a three-game series in Oklahoma, so I think we might win the first two games as well. We might win tomorrow and Sunday, so that will be a really good uh, observation for Butch Thompson to get a big win as well. Yeah, it's actually in Oregon. They're playing the Oregon State Beavers this weekend. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. No, you're good. All good. Oregon, just not Oklahoma. Oregon State, their mascot is the Beavers. Yeah, because I did, I did say that we would be playing Oregon when we did play UCLA, and I did predict that game between Auburn and Oregon. So I was correct that we were going to play Oregon as I mean Oregon State, Oregon State. Yes, yeah, so I did uh, say that correctly as well. What do you think would happen if a Tiger fought a Beaver? Because it's the Auburn Tigers versus the Oregon State Beavers. What do you think would happen if they fought one another? Oh, that is a really good observation because I know we are the Auburn Tigers, so I think we might as well um, destroy them. I think we might as well destroy them and probably put them on a plate, and we'll just have to finish the rest. There we go. There we go. I can't wait for this weekend. I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yes, it is, and it's going to be my first time ever watching it on ESPN2. And for the first game, for game one, I do have a good game day prediction for that one. I have Auburn winning against the Oregon State Beavers. Auburn 25, Oregon State 14. Wow, high-scoring game there in game one. All right. Yes, as well. And then I'm looking at to see um, what is actually going to be uh, coming up for the Auburn women's basketball team and seeing how they're going to do uh, this coming up fall season yeah, as well. It, it's funny you bring them up. We're going to talk to their head coach on Monday. Their head coach, Johnny Harris, is going to be a guest on our show on Monday. So we'll get to interview her, James. Okay, so I would be able to, you know, probably take in a, well, actually, um, probably call in on Monday and actually get to hear. There you uh, go. Johnny Harris. Yeah, I would love to, you know, get to talk to her and uh, seeing if she's going to bring a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of good players to the Auburn program as well. Oh, you know she will, James. Here we are. We are. We're counting down. We're now eleven days. We are eleven days away from the Thunder Chickens season starting back up. Yes, I did see that. I did see that. You think we're going to get some wins? Do you want to play? Um, yes, I will actually play, but not this year. I'll probably play with you all in 2023. Okay, you want to wait a year until you play with us? Yes. You think it'll be better to do it that way? Uh, well, yes. Yes, as well. So that way, that will give me a, a lot of time to like rest and relax and just see um, what what I might do. Because I never, I mean, is it like softball or baseball? Softball. Okay, okay, so I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. What position do you want to play? Um, I'll probably play like probably like third baseman or something. Okay, third base is a good place. Yeah, and then actually be like third base and then probably come up like third third person in the bat. As okay, well. third in the batting order. Okay, that's a big time hitter. So we're we're expecting a lot of production out of you. Oh, you you will get a lot of home runs out of me as well. Heck yeah. That's what we like to hear. That's what we yeah. like to hear. Thunder Chickens forever. 
Yes, it is, and that's our team as well. Or I do have a really good observation. We can actually bring it out here to Riverwalk Stadium and actually um, let everybody come out and see um, our team as well. That'd be a great idea. Can you set that up for us? Um, I will have to set that up. I'll set it up as well. Okay, yeah, you talk to the Riverwalk Stadium people and see what you can make happen. All right. Does it seem like there's going to be a big crowd at the game tonight? Uh, Yes, it's going to be a huge, huge crowd for uh, Friday night as well. Who are you playing? Uh, We are playing the Chattanooga Lookout. Okay, very fun, very fun. And you want the Biscuits to win? Yes, we have to get this win as well because tonight is faith night, so we would have a lot of um, a lot of people, you know, bringing in a lot of a lot of um, a lot of praise in for tonight's game as well. There you go, that's spectacular. Did Marie go to the game with you? Uh, no, she did not. But we would be actually meeting sometime real soon. And we are going to be meeting sometime real soon, but I don't know how soon it will be. But I'm just trying to see how things might work out. Where do you think you'll be meeting her? Um, well, because um, my next trip I'll be going back to Florida, but I won't be in Panama City Beach, Florida. I'll be in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, right next door to Kissimmee, Florida. So I would actually have to go down there myself and go and see her okay very cool i bet she's excited to see you yes as well okay all right well you got anything else on your mind before the weekend gets started um yes because tonight i'm actually watching the nba finals you're gonna watch it while you're at the game no no i'm actually going to be watching the game here and i'm gonna probably leave a little early so i'm going to be probably you know going to watch it like at a so you can watch hearing. both yeah so i'm a yeah because i know it's a it's a lot of uh it's a lot of games during the week so i just have to put it in all together and then you'll be able to see the uh you'll be able to take a look at uh the game four of the nba finals yes as well i mean seeing if uh, if Boston is going to win Game 4 and Game 5 as well. Well, if they did, they would be NBA champions. Yes, they will. So I think I think that Boston Celtics would be NBA champions. And I do have my prediction on the NBA MVP of all time. That will actually have to go to Draymond Green. Oh, wow! All-time MVP Draymond Green. <laughs> For the first time since his rookie start with the Boston Celtics as well. Okay, he played for the Warriors, remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays for the Warriors. Um let's see who played for the Celtics. Uh let's see. I'm gonna probably say for MVP, I'll say Jason Tatum. There we'll you go. It. I love Jason Tatum. He played college basketball at Duke. Yeah, so if he wins it, that will be his first time ever playing, ever winning the MVP since his rookie year with the Boston Celtics as well. Perfect. Yeah, no, that'd be exciting if he were able to get it done. Boston won in 2008. They won with Paul Pierce, and now Paul yes. Pierce has been at the games. Yes, as well. So I will call you all on Monday. Okay, we'll talk to you then. Okay, I hope you have an outstanding weekend. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That's our buddy James from Montgomery joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 as we get set to wrap up today's edition of Sports Call. 
let's take an opportunity to do our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Our nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks Childress, what's on television tonight? Well, we've got a little bit of everything tonight, so I'll start off with the movie picks for the evening. 6.05 Central Time on FXM. It's Independence Day Resurgence, the second of the Independence Day movies. It was okay. You're watching it to watch aliens and humans fight each other. That, that's basically what you're watching it for. 7 o'clock on FX, it's Transformers The Last Night. Great, great movie. Uh, and then at 7 o'clock on TMC, it's your J.J. Jackson pick of the evening. The Wizard of Oz is on tonight. All right. I like it. I also, love that film. The, also the story of last week's regional, Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh my. Uh, movie, or that was your movie picks for the evening. Sports picks for you this evening at 7.30 on ESPN. It is uh, Louisville taking on at Texas A&M in the first game of that Super Regional at 8 o'clock on ESPN. It is the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships continue with day three action out there from Eugene, Oregon. And then, of course, also at 8 o'clock tonight on ABC, game four of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Can the Boston Celtics take a 3-2 to two series lead or will Golden State even it up <laughs> at two games a piece also the Braves back in action tonight at 6:20 on Bally Sports Southeast as they take on the Pittsburgh Pirates game two of that series as Spencer Strider takes the mound Ronald Acuna Jr. back in right field leading off once again for the Braves uh, as he has done several several nights this week and uh, seems like he's back and that is your look at your night the TV guy brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer it's the weekend, Brooks. It's the weekend. Are you ready for it, man? Oh, yes, sir. All right. Um, Brooks, I'll see you next week. I guess have you will. Have a great will. weekend. <laughs> you too. Ryan, have a great weekend, my friend. See you next week. Uh, and Cam, we'll see you then, okay? Yes, sir. That does it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening to our program. Thanks again to CJ Holmes, Wes Durham, and Brad Law for stopping by. For Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. <laughs>